Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus Prime. Hello to all the Terminators that are subscribed to us and uh, helping contribute to the destruction of metal journalism. As always, I am the Death Metal Guy. And I am the Black Metal Guy. So, uh, we're doing something different today. Um, typically, when we do uh, bonus episodes, we're concentrated on maybe focusing on a couple records uh, from, you know, the old days, so to speak. Uh, or, you know, we're, you know we're, we're kind of talking about the nuances of historical stuff, and we're doing some of that here, but lately we've had some patrons requesting that we do more kind of deep dive stuff into uh, niche scenes, uh, maybe like geographical scenes, stuff like that. And so we've decided to take the plunge and do it. So consider this a uh, an initial tutorial into the now almost completely forgotten world of what was once called Torture Doom. <laughs> this, just just to make everyone feel miserable. Been, the death metal guy has been waiting to do this for the entire time I've known him, which is like more than 10 years. Yes. Or 10 years, um, just about 10 years, yeah. I think it might be more than that. I think we might no, have started talking just, when I was like 18. but Just just about, yeah, like, like 2011, so. Okay, I gotcha. <clears throat> So, uh, Torture Doom, for those who aren't familiar, was a micro-niche style of very extreme funeral doom that really only existed for a few years. Uh, I'm calling it <clears throat> around 2004 to maybe 2008, and then it kind of dissolved. But... It has been a, a constant obsession through my life. Uh, the pocket where it was active lines up directly with my high school years and getting really into not just extreme metal, because I had already kind of gotten there by the time I was in high school, but into super underground stuff, you know, getting into CDR demos of weird bands and uh, getting in contact with weird small labels and distros and, you know... I, I, it sounds a little weird, but, you know, I had already been listening to Death and Black and Doom Metal and stuff, but Torture Doom was the first time where I was like, I even knew at the time, oh my god, I'm watching a, I'm watching a scene develop right now in front mm. of me. I'm watching, uh, I'm watching something really exciting happen. And I think that's one of the things that made me really get into writing about music and being into mm. these super niche scenes. So... In a way, I could probably say if it wasn't for Torture Doom, Terminus might not exist right now. Because it was such an inspiring event for me. Mm -hmm. It just really made me want to do this a whole lot. Well, and, and in a sense, Terminus really is... I mean, I definitely envisioned, when, I was, when we were talking about this, I envisioned Terminus as like, how do you track the development of the underground in basically real time? And so it's mm -hmm. like we are. That's like what that like that's what we're still doing today, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. So now we have to catch up with the moments where we did that from our youth, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, so as far as torture doom goes, I know you've been exposed to some of it just over the years of talking to me. But did, was that ever something that you kind of looked into yourself, or was that just pure osmosis from shit that I would talk about? Yeah, pure osmosis. I'm, I may have attempted to put on uh, some worm phlegm at some point, but 
It's I, I can't say I'm usually in the mood. I got you. Well, that makes sense because uh, it is a uh, a deeply miserable sort of mood. Uh, even more, I would say, than regular funeral doom, which is you know some of the most miserable music in the world. <laughs> yeah, regular funeral doom can have a soothing and uplifting quality to it, at least depending on the band. Skepticism, right? Or yeah, you know. Thurgathon or something like that, but like this is, uh, yeah, funeral do- or is uh, from from what you've showed me, torture doom is, as the name would suggest, some of the most unpleasant music ever created. Um, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, it is, I, I guess, to try and describe it. So, torture doom is what happens when you take funeral doom and you bring a lot of. Uh, maybe I, I would almost call it raw black metal aesthetic and drop it in. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of, uh, a lot of influence from dark ambient, from noise, from drone. And, uh, occasionally for certain bands like industrial and extreme electronic stuff. Hmm. So, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can do torture doom, but I think what it really comes down to, to define it is, the atmosphere uh because funeral doom tends to be about sadness or about the kind of gravity of nature and mm-hmm. isolation mm-hmm. torture doom is specifically about intense like destructive negativity it is about being attacked it is the brutal death equivalent of funeral doom you know mm. Yes, and it is the music is designed to be an endurance test in the way that uh, you know the the craziest brutal death is, or uh, you know Iljarn is. Yeah, or like war metal or stuff like that. Yeah, the, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the craziest war metal, Conqueror. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely music that is seeking an end point of extremity. And I think the the time when it really came up in the mid-2000s, uh, that was a period where a lot of bands in extreme metal were pursuing extremity as a fundamental goal in a way that most of them aren't really today anymore. Um, like, for instance, yeah, because I brought up in my notes like a couple examples like, say, remember when... Uh, the first couple Anal Nathrock records came out. Mm-hmm. Um, you listen to the Codex Necro, which was just... Uh, everything was distorted. It's like, what the fuck? We've got the vocalist has distortion on him now, too. And that's kind of passe now. But it was super crazy when it came out. Or um, some of the fringe edges of like the black industrial scene, like the Axis of Perdition. Uh, oh, remember various... when the Berserker was really big? Yeah, that's the exactly Berserker. Yeah, exactly. The Berserker was a band that I was super into in my high school years. And well, yeah, I still am because they're great. (laughs) But yeah, so Funeral Doom was kind of part of that arms race of extremity or excuse me, Torture Doom was. And also, I feel like it was in part a sort of reaction to the direction that a lot of Funeral Doom was going in, which was... Uh, you know, you've got stuff, you've got the progenitors of Funeral Doom doing very abstract, lonely, sort of introspective music, like uh, Skepticism, Thergathon, some stuff like Until Death Overtakes Me, shit like that. But then Funeral Doom kind of got lightly commodified, and a lot of it turned into 
My Dying Bride or Catatonia at 40 beats a minute. You know, it became about being sad. It became about, you know, kind of romantic stuff. Yeah, and it became about girls. Yeah, it became about girls, about which girls I think girls and were... being dead and, you know, dead <laughs> girls and the girl makes you want to feel dead and, oh, God, you know. Exactly. And mm-hmm. that was not what I was ever into Funeral Doom for. I mean, I like some peaceful doom death here and there, but that's definitely a mood oh. piece for me. Um, what I liked so much about Funeral Doom was the unrelenting extremity. I mean, even in listening to something very listenable like skepticism that is undeniably extreme music yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so so you're seeing a lot of different things happen you're seeing this race of extremity you're seeing this reaction against the the direction that uh, uh, that funeral doom was moving in and you're also seeing kind of the first real flourishings of internet metal scene um, which really kind of only emerged maybe in 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 a full way around 2002 and really kicked into gear around 0304. Um, obviously, there were websites catering to extreme metal before that, but the community had not gelled into a thing in and of itself until this time period. Rather what than was it that did that was was the archives going at that point? So yeah, metal archives started, I believe, in late 2002 or early 2003. Um, possibly earlier than that, but I, I don't think it's earlier. A- than anus and its antecedents predate that, right? Long ago, yeah. Anus yeah. reaches back to the old BBS days, yeah, but that an- was always yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a- always anus was originally distributed over military computers. Um, yeah, yeah. It was like it was, <laughs> anus was a, a fucking since 1988. <laughs> anus was a DARPA project, you know. Yeah. Like, so somebody <laughs> uploaded the lyrics to "Pleasure to Kill" to someone in Russia. That was it. And that was the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I guess one distinction I want to make is that when, when I talk about an internet metal community, I'm not just talking about... The, there was an internet metal scene, but it was taking the one that existed in real life and placing it online to a greater or lesser degree. Right. Stuff like Torture Doom, that sort of internet metal scene could only exist on the internet because it was so hyper-niche. I mean, I think I said in the notes that in absolute seriousness, there were probably only a few hundred people in the world that seriously cared about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, occasionally people would stumble across it and they'd like worm phlegm or funeralium or something like that. But the real maniacs, we all fucking knew each other. Basically, we were all kind of lurking on the same forums and hanging on soul seek together. It really was a lot closer to something like the Black Legions online than it is anything we have now. It's a very, it's a, it was a really wonderful, fertile time. Yeah. And it's not only that, like, you can't find people to play in your band around you, so you need to have, you know, a Varg one-man band or a Willie Maynock one-man band. Well, that's if no one will play with you. But, like, uh, the, um... It's really like to find anyone to listen to the music at all, it needs to be online. Yeah, and it, it goes without saying, <laughs> you know, yeah. none of this ever sold well. I mean, the the most, I'm trying to think where are the most copies of a Torture Doom record that were ever printed. Probably the first Funeralium record, they maybe did a run of a thousand, and that was probably too much. 
you know, because I was seeing copies of that in, you know, clearance sections for years afterwards. Which is nothing wrong with the music. That's just how limited the audience is for this kind of thing. Um, but I guess ultimately I really want to talk about it because, I mean, it's this has been completely forgotten. I mean, I've been yelling at you about, you know, Worm Flam and Bunker and stuff like that for as many years as you've known me. But do you ever run across that stuff in the wild anymore? I think I think Bunker I do. And I think it's through industrial. Um, I, yes, I'm not yes, saying I that, that I've listened to it, right? But I believe that stuff is distributed either by Cold Spring or Tesco, one of the big sort of industrial and power electronics and noise labels. Yeah, I think nowadays they realize that they were more tapped into that community, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. that's where they've they've kind of kept it going. There's Bunker is one of only a couple of these bands we're going to talk about that are still operating today. And they're actually incredibly important to the whole story of the genre's rise and its downfall. So it's very interesting that they're still around. Um, But uh, I guess we should get started by kind of talking about possible progenitors of this style of music. So there's no easy way to trace exactly how this works until file sharing becomes a big thing. Uh, And... File sharing, Soulseek in particular, is going to be a, a crucial part of this whole kind of history that I'm writing here. <coughs> but uh, so before Torture Doom, what sounds similar to it? What are possible influences? Well, I can think of a couple things, you know, that I don't think are that much of a stretch. Uh, and the first one we're going to go to back in 1993 is uh, Abruptum's first full-length, uh, Obscuritatum Advoco Amplector in Me, uh, which I think, aesthetically, if not in execution, is remarkably similar to things that we'll hear in Torture Doom, you know, 10, 12 years later. And uh, you're not, like, a big Abruptum guy, right? No, I think I read about it and was like, you know... I- I don't know, like like a midget screaming with no riffs, and I think I was like, I'll pass. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's it, fair. <laughs> that's I, a fair I, characterization. <laughs> I, I may have clicked on it once and just been like, I think I have an idea. I have an idea of how Abruptum sounds that I'm pretty sure is accurate, and it was not what I was looking for at the time. It's possible that I'd be more into it now. Well, we're about to find out. So we're actually just going to play a little sample. Uh, for those listening at home, uh, this is actually unusual because the black metal guy uh, is going into this completely cold. He hasn't heard any of these samples necessarily before. Um, this is all first time listening for the most part. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in kind of your unfiltered reaction to this stuff. So uh, right. let's go to the first Abruptum record, very beginning of the record, just after like that little hiccup of an intro is over. And then we just go.
So does that jive with your 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 mental rendering of abruptum? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is. I do like it better than I did back then. Um, it's. Uh, I feel like it's like one tier of effort shy of being fully realized. I can see that. Yeah. Like um, I feel like there's a version of this that would be formally very similar that I would actually find quite compelling. But I think the sort of teenagers dicking around factor here is given that there's you can have songs and if it's teenagers dicking around, then the dicking around works within the songs. But in this case yeah. there's yeah. Now later later abruptum might be a little bit more interesting because they they start to I mean they always keep that improvisational quality but mm-hmm. you can tell that they've jammed some ideas out before and there there's a very loose sort of structure going on mm-hmm. in some of the later material this is just teenagers dicking around definitely the part where it speeds up I mean you like obviously I like the faster parts right I'm not you know not temperamentally a huge doom guy but um mm-hmm. When you get any, at, at the beginning, for instance, like, there's no problem with the tempo. It almost has a groove to it at the beginning, right? There's, mm-hmm. like, just little things they could have done to make that heavier. Um, the part where it picks up is pretty cool. Um, the sort of the voices all over the place thing, I just, I'm, you know, I don't really, I'm not, I don't particular. I only identify with Satanism in the very general sense now. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, uh, like, obviously, I'm still down with Lucifer, but like, uh, um, I don't. I think the setting this is meant to be consumed in is um, sitting in your room being evil. Um, and like, well, I, I I've don't also have always thought it could be like for that anymore. I also thought it could be like house party going in a bad direction and you're in the garage at 2 a.m. and you put this on and something bad's about to happen and you're I, all way too drunk <laughs> i kind of agree with you but that just means it's a house party that you or i am at um <laughs> uh, the thing that i the thing that i like that it reminds me of and that i do think of as party music is Skullflower. um and this okay. is ha- this is happening at right about the same time and when you start to get that sort of thumping, uh, basically garage punk backbeat at the back mm-hmm. end, or like a stoner rock backbeat, that's the sort of like more coherent moments on Skullflower. And you're just getting that guitar sheet noise. Yeah. That again, very close to Skullflower. And I would be really surprised if Skullflower didn't. It's possible these guys were aware of Skullflower and the Broken Flag bands, but I would be dead sure Skullflower listened to Abruptum. I can see that. You see, Abruptum are a full disclosure. They're a they're a personal favorite of mine. I, I love everything they've done. Um, but it, it, it's interesting because I'm not super well read up on Abruptum and their history. They've always been a little bit more private, even though they were affiliated with Death Like Silence and you know the whole Norwegian crew. Yeah. They kind of kept to themselves and did their own thing. Um, so. I'd be very interested to see what influences these guys have. Like, for instance, were Abruptum listening to old Throbbing Gristle tapes, or did they come at this kind of accidentally? You know, it's it's interesting to consider. Yeah, it would be entirely possible to have only the vaguest idea that somewhere there exists arty noise music. And, be and create metal, something and like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I remember being in eighth grade, like ninth grade, and coming up with an elaborate full concept for an industrial noise band before I'd heard industrial noise. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. feel that. I, I, I remember it just Im- or like imagining really bizarre for me, imagining really mm-hmm. bizarre varieties of what would be grind, and then finding mm-hmm. those bands in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Mm. <clears throat> okay, so so I want to bring Abruptum up because. Aesthetically, there's a lot going on that's really similar to Future Torture Doom. You've got the uh, really over-the-top vocal performance, which I think is crucial to the Torture Doom sound, mm-hmm. um, is having a just really unhinged extreme vocal performance. The really slow tempo up front, the way the guitars are used as just sort of keening noises rather than playing riffs necessarily. That's not that's not all the Torture Doom bands, but it's a fair number of them, so that's a real technique. I just think, uh, really, as far as old stuff goes, that's the furthest back I was able to really find outside of arty industrial music or something that kind of has the same feeling. Yeah, and like I mean, this this actually realizing the connection to that arty industrial music that I do like makes me want to listen to more of this record because I do like the sheet metal sort of distorted noise guitar sound. You know, I love. That's yeah, yeah, pretty cool. I would yeah. say just go like one or two albums further into Abruptum's discography, and you'll probably start finding shit you really like. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's actually that's that's exciting. Um, yeah. Also for the for the kids, um, Abruptum's vocalist was called It. And nobody knew who he was for a long time. There were rumors that he was literally a midget or just a very short Colombian man. Um, (laughs) uh, And they had another project with it in it called, I think, Vonder that had Darth Vader on the cover. Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, And there was a really good project they had called... I've never really heard Vonder. I just couldn't take it seriously with the cover. But there's a great project they have. One of the original war metal bands called War. Has, uh, yeah, there has war. It in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was It. Well, the main guy is a guy named Evil, and he also mm-hmm. collaborated with a guy named All for a little while. And <laughs> All all and It were also both in a really excellent forgotten black metal band called Ophthalamia. Have oh, you ever yeah, heard that? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That shit is so cool and different, and uh, it's it's a tragedy that nobody really paid attention to them. Anyway, uh, so next up, as far as progenitors, we're going to go forward a couple years. We're going to go to 1995, and here we've got a band that we're both familiar with, which is, of course, the legendary Black Mass of Absu. <laughs> Talk about a party band. <clears throat> Absolutely a party band. So just so I'm not totally running over you, how would you describe Black Mass of Absu? We've talked about them on the show a little bit before, but how would you explain that to the kids? <laughs> um... I, Black Mass of the kids slash people older than us, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Black, Black Mass of Upsu is like um, uh, the heaviest parts of Hellhammer's Triumph of Death turned into a prin- general principle for songwriting. Um, or I like, like that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Or, like, um, I imagine a lot of people are at least somewhat familiar with Ride for Revenge, right? Black, black, uh, De- Death Metal Guy and oh, I are yeah. huge Ride for Revenge fans. Black Massive Ops is like, if you go back in time looking for roots for Ride for Revenge, you'll also find it in Black Massive Ops. Like, Black oh, Massive Ops is relatively riffy. 
Yeah, Black Mass. No, Black Mass is, I would say, like the direct progenitor to Ride for Revenge and probably the direct progenitor to a lot of the whole bestial burst scene of just bizarre sort of alcoholic Satanist Finnish basement music, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, going all the way back to 95, first demo tape by Black Mass of Absu. Uh, just their demo 95, first thing they ever did. Uh, we're going to listen to just a whole track called Strangled by the Tale of Lucifer. And uh, also, if you haven't heard this band, the song titles are fucking outstanding. Do yourselves a favor, go onto YouTube and listen to their whole discography collection. It has everything they ever did. It's about 100 minutes long. And listen to every minute of it because it's incredible music. So let's just listen to this track and... You'll be amazed at how contemporary this sounds. Terminators, if there's one thing I want you to take away from this bonus episode, apart from Torture Doom being awesome and we need to bring it back, it's that you need to listen to Black Mass of Absu. 
which is, I think, one of the greatest hidden gems of really extreme heavy metal. Yeah, man, that that uh, that that is very sick. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's untouchable, man. It's they really tapped into something that still hasn't been done. I mean, until Bestial Burst comes onto the scene, and you get bands like Ride for Revenge, Flooded Church of Asmodeus, who are really picking up on that kind of energy and running with it. I love how he got rid of all the pesky notes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing that's that cool is about the, it is that th- that guitar tone is just. That, like, awakened some primordial memory I have of, like, a formative encounter with palm mutes, but I can't remember what it was. But hearing <laughs> that just, like, like resonated with something deep inside. But that, that the, was, like, that's, like, one of the most pure palm mute sounds ever. It's just a mute. It's, it's void of tone, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, I mean, but what, what, doesn't it sound like something that a very very like edgy and cool younger guy could make today yeah i mean it it would be a full band of people that they could be from the hardcore side um yeah which is what's one thing that's very interesting so black mass of obsu was a full band i think it was five guys in its mm -hmm. prime but what's interesting is they were all guys from like the upstate new york like grind and power violence and noise scene I, I noticed yeah. they thanked capitalist casualties in the notes. Yeah, they thanked capitalist yeah. casualties and a, a few other kind of like raw punk and uh, crust and kind of power violence bands. Um, and that's really the scene these guys are coming from, which is fascinating because it's like, can you see punk guys doing something like this? Yeah, but it's also just so heavy metal in a way that's very divorced from that. I find it really interesting, the origin of these guys, uh, how different it is from what they produced. Well, occasionally, punk guys, just when they're like, okay, we're going to do our metal project, so we're going to make it as OTT metal as possible. I get the sense that this may have started as parody. Oh, yeah, the I first, think this... The first person I think it started as the thank yous is Satan right um <laughs> it's uh yeah started as a joke and then but like clearly just became serious i mean also in terms of like sounding like punk stuff i mean the thing is it does sound like and they're from new york right it sounds like winter and amoebics and all that the idea some of the idea of metal here may actually be coming from the retarded single note chug of stenchcore oh yeah no i could definitely see that and you'd be much better able to tell that than me but there's something about this that just echoes directly back to black sabbath in a way that i find super interesting and also just to bring it kind of full circle how much it sounds like later torture doom stuff Mm -hmm. of just i mean it feels so vibrant and contemporary even today and it's 26 years past this feels like it's funny because this would be huge now if it, it came out be. today people who like Sanguasugabog would buy this just to pretend they like it <laughs> exactly this would be the raunchiest thing on maggot stomp or yeah. even like even like dark descent would put out something like this you yeah, know bro, pe- bro this slaps <laughs> Bro, this, this record, slaps really hard. This record fucks, man. It fucks hard. <laughs> oh, God damn it. 
So yes, everybody, please listen to Black Mass of Absu. I have no doubt we'll probably do sometime down the road a, a full episode about them or something because all of it is essential. Um, so finally, wrapping up kind of the, the theoretical progenitors, this one is really important. So are you familiar at all with Woods of Belial? Uh, no. I may have it filed somewhere under sounds kind of like Black Massive Absu, but I, that could be a false memory also. I gotcha. So Woods of Belial um, was... I, I'm dead serious about this. This was a project of a couple guys from Moon Sorrow, <laughs> of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a couple demos in 96 or 97 that they referred to, uh, they called the genre, Industrialized Black Doom. Which is, that's pretty true. But what I really think it is, is that it's, this is probably the first Torture Doom release. Before that was ever a thing. And, you know, Moonsaro and these guys are from Helsinki, which is only about an hour away from Lati, which is where Wormflem are from. So I have mm. basically no doubt that the guys from Wormflem heard these tapes and were really inspired by them. And again, they sound incredibly contemporary. So we're going to listen to... Uh, a track called Into the Woods of Belial, Goat Lord Necro Emperor, which is fucking sick, obviously. <laughs> uh, this is off, I believe, their... Let, I, let me check it out. I can't remember if this is their first or second demo. Uh, yeah, this is off the second demo from 97 called Boxa Boxoxa Boxoxoxoxa 666 in Draconis. Um, and in 2003, a compilation came out with both of these demos attached to it. So let's just listen to the opening couple minutes of this track, and I think you'll be very surprised that a couple guys from Moonsorrow were doing this in 97.
So again, like weirdly contemporary. That's another thing that would be very cool if released now, I feel. Yeah. I mean, especially that moment where it sort of shifts up a step, half step or something, and you get the, the rolling double bass and the, the continuous chug. Um, and the, the weird sort of like glimmering keyboard stuff over the top. Mm-hmm, Very strange. Mm-hmm. About the only connection to Moon Sorrow you can find in this. Yeah. You know, there is a band now called Box Ox 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 Box Ox 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 Oh, yeah? What yeah, which do? I assumed. Yeah, which I assumed they just made up, but apparently it's reference to this. I think it's a reference to something out, something else, like maybe some like version of the Necronomicon or something like that. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. but I think here is like this is like right there on what would happen in Torture Doom a few di- a few years later. Like this is basically like in the wheelhouse i would call this essentially a torture doom release and it's fascinating like the guys that it came out because they would have been recording these around the same time as the first moon sorrow demos this wasn't like a side project or like something they did before moon sorrow it's like no uh hey 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 brother you know when we're done doing our like nice enchanting folky stuff Let's get the drum machine ready, and we'll crank out some fucking Woods of Belial tracks, you know? Nice. Okay, so with some of the possible background history of this out of the way, it's time to get into the meat of, like, Torture Doom proper. Um, I'm going to go over a bunch of bands, and some of them are not necessarily Torture Doom, but I think they were extremely influential to a lot of the bands. Uh, just, I think that what you're going to hear is a lot of cases of parallel evolution happening in different places around the world. Um, but it all starts from our next sample, which is going to be the first Wormflem tape. Um, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Wormflem in 2001 released their first demo tape as 100 cassettes. Uh, it was called... In an excruciating way infested with vermin and violated by executioners who practice incendiarism and desanctifying the pious. It is a single 32-minute track, and it was a huge deal, but not immediately, and this is where file sharing really becomes uh, an important part of the story. So... I've created kind of a pet theory about how this works. So 2001, Wormflem releases this tape, and at least based on my understanding from reading old forum posts and a little bit of contact I've had with the band over the years, uh, I think they just really handed out copies to their friends. Um, the, the guys from Wormflem have been involved in all sorts of projects in this little kind of friend group they have of various musicians. Uh, All of it is fascinating, super weird music. Uh, I mean, it's associated with projects like Hail that ended up getting a little bit of attention, Uh, Legacies Unchain, I think there was one called Death Citadel, Uh, all kinds of very, yeah, very, very bizarre, very interesting takes on sort of primordial black death um uh corpsest uh they were also involved in as well as tyranny which is probably their best known 
uh, project, uh, which is a little bit more straightforward, kind of chthonic funeral doom. So in 2001, they get together and they record this tape, pass it out to their friends, whatever. Standard stuff for them. They're basically doing music as a hobby. But then a couple years later, Soul Seek picks up on this tape. Somebody in the early days before this was very easy actually went through the effort of ripping this from analog to digital. Now that's that's no issue. You've got tape decks and record players that are already set up for it. But uh, back then, it would have taken you know a decent amount of technical know-how to be able to do it successfully. And for those who weren't around for it, um, you were a soul seat guy too. What did you think of it? I I don't know how to use torrents. Oh, it wasn't torrent based though. It was uh, just a well, regular uh, file sharing. Peer to peer. Well, I don't. I I never knew what soul seek was until I was older. Um, oh, I, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm completely like tech tarded. Um, and as a a teenager, the only computer we had was owned by my parent. Was you know my parents, and it was slow, and it was in the basement, and I was carefully policed using it. So okay. I I probably could have stolen music from the internet, but uh. My Stockholm syndrome prevented me from doing so very often. Okay. I think I I think I downloaded a handful of System <coughs> Down songs. Oh yeah, I got uh, when I got my first copy of. But, uh, and it Kazaa. took forever. Yeah. It took forever. You know, like I think I like Napstered a couple System of a Down songs, and that would have taken like a long time. Hence, only yeah. a couple. Fifty-six K modem days, so, dude. So, how long did it take to download this thirty-minute track? It. It well, buddy. It took a long time. <laughs> my parents were, my parents were late adopters of DSL. So mm-hmm. uh, I uh, I downloaded a lot of stuff off Soulseek at about five kilobytes per second overnight uh, from a lot of different people. Big shout out to everyone on Soulseek who basically crafted my entire musical taste from the ground up. Uh, for those who aren't familiar. So SoulSeek was a file sharing utility, a peer-to-peer utility that was originally set up for electronic people. And the biggest community on there is still uh, people trading weird, like white label techno records and stuff like that. But in addition to that, uh, metalheads found a phone, uh, found a home on there, especially really deeply invested uh, black and doom metal people. Like, Soulseek was the first way most people heard, say, any of the uh, the LLN tapes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a huge mode of distributing that. And it was it was weird because it was still kinda cult on there. Like you would you'd pop on, you don't have a lot of files, you start downloading, you know, a Belkatray tape and a guy just cancels your downloading message you, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know you. You don't you don't get access to this yet. It was fucking crazy, and it was awesome. Um, so, probably around two thousand three or something, somebody uploads the Worm Flem tape, and this goes off like a fucking nuke, in a way that it's very hard to describe. Like nobody had heard anything like this before. This band came out of nowhere with this one huge song and totally upended what people thought they knew about funeral doom. It's, uh, I, I, there's, it's, it's only comparable to like hearing the worm flum tape in like 2003 is probably what people felt like 
when they heard Rain and Blood back in 86, you know? Mm. That's, a, that's a big claim. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, I actually think it's valid. So uh, we'll listen to a little section off of it, and then there's here's your takeaway. If you just want the short version of this, just listen to that first tape. That's what Torture Doom is, and that's why it needs to come back. So let's, uh, let's listen to Worm Flum. It's pretty sick, isn't it, bro? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sick. Um, you can really hear... I guess the thing that comes in here that's not in uh, Woods of Belial or Black Mass of Absu is like you can hear that this is Funeral Doom. You can hear yeah. that it's a kind of Funeral Doom. Like, uh, at the end, they have a few big riffs, right? They, they, that sort of like... Uh, um, when they shift out of the last lurchy section towards the more kind of grandiose thing, there's a kind of very characteristically funeral doom kind of pause thing. Like, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, 
the yeah those sorts of dark melodies on the end are just like they're like more evil sounded versions of skepticism riffs and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh and I think uh there's also that that huge keening lead that dun, yeah. dun, 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 That's kind of uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah, keep that one in your head cuz we're going to come back to that later on. Mm-hmm. But I think that what you said was very important is that what makes Wormflum distinct and what makes them probably still the best of Torture Doom is that they structured their songs like skepticism songs, which means their structure kind of like ambient songs. It's about lots of very small changes piling up and transforming the music almost too slowly for you to perceive. You know, you, you blink and then you're in another place and you don't even know how you got there. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, like, going through this again, you know, I listened to the whole thing again, because why not? Um, there's really only, like, three riffs on this song. <laughs> you know, there's maybe f- four. Everything else is just tiny variations on those riffs. But the way they manipulate them, it's like, oh, there's a palm mute we didn't hear before. Oh, one interval changed in the riff. Oh, there's a little tremolo now. The, the cascading effects of those across this huge expanse of time are just unbelievable. Like, in, in terms of, like, Funeral Doom songwriting, it's, it's so far ahead of people that are still using riffs in a normal way and shit like that. Here's a superficial observation. Um, their logo is neon green. Um, Which is very cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, A, they have a grim logo. I think a band that sounded like this now wouldn't. Um, B, it is neon green. Uh, this is significant because that color would very quickly become off-limits once it became associated with Deathcore. Um, ah, yeah, that's true. Like, if you look at that, it looks like a Deathcore logo. If you saw that on a kid's shirt, you'd say, ah, Deathcore. Um, <laughs> that's true. My uh, uh, my worm de- phlegm de- shirt. De- it, <laughs> my worm phlegm shirt, it's more in a, a rust red, so it's still acceptable. Nice. <laughs> but, like, point being, it doesn't look bad. Point, It adds some good color to the cover, and the cover isn't, like, some... I don't know, you know, some black and white photo of a boring cemetery or something, right? It's like... You know, some fucking zombie dude torturing a skeleton dude. Um, it's, <laughs> like, yes. this is, it's much more, this is very, very arty music, but it's really metal. Yeah, it's very it, heavy metal. It, it thinks of itself as metal, um, and is not uh, making any bones about that fact. In a way oh, definitely. Even if there was a metalheads version of this project now as opposed to a hipster version of this project now the aesthetic would be different it would be a lot more kind of uh self-serious isn't the right word but it would be it would be like signaling its maturity and ambition yeah and i think that's one of the things that makes this distinct is that there is a as like kind of horrible feeling as this music is there's kind of a weird sense of fun to it in that it's clearly oh, yeah, a, those vocals yeah. at the beginning. I mean, th- those vocals are kind of like Deathcore in the sense of just this very primitive teenage impulse of how do we make the most horrible-sounded vocals. Yeah, yeah, it's like clearly... Because I think, you know, because Wormflon, obviously, they developed such a reputation because yeah. they weren't very public guys. 
They were more public than you think, though, if you actually were traveling in those circles at the time. You know, uh, one of the guys, he used to go under the name Conqueror Worm. He would show up on, like, DoomMetal.com or the Metal Archives and, you know, talk about his music when it popped up. He was just, like, Googling himself or something. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're very cool, very nice guys, and they loved answering questions about the music. But you definitely get the sense that for all the you know, majesty we'd imbued in this, this was probably a couple Finnish dudes who got drunk and were like, hey, you want to make the sickest thing ever? And, like, they're just, like, cackling ghoulishly to themselves the whole time as they make it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun. It's so full of life. And I remember when I heard this when I was, like, 14, 13, something like that, it was a transformative experience because I was like, you can you can do this you can make shit that sounds this horrible and it was like you that was a revelation. so you immediately liked it it immediately clicked oh dude yeah the the first moment i heard it and i heard like the vocal performance is so insane like because the the actual opening of the demo is just like a sample of like running water for like a minute and a half and then there's a couple like drum hits and then one of those giant shrieks out of nowhere, mm. and I was hooked immediately. <laughs> I was just like, yes, this is what I want. I want the worst sounds possible. <laughs> Alright, so that's so that's 2001. That's the big one. And then, like I said, it'll take a couple years before it trickles onto file sharing services, but there's some stuff to talk about in between then and now. So 2002, uh, We've got Stabat Mater, who you're probably at least a little familiar with because that's Miko Aspa. I've heard the name. Um, yeah, I know so, the title, yeah. Yeah, so Stabat Mater is uh, Miko's funeral doom project. And later on, it would kind of shift directions and become an interesting thing of its own. Everything under the Stabat Modern name has been awesome and is worth listening to. But I want to concentrate on some of the early stuff that he did, which is very much in the Torture Doom vein. And I've got like a wild take uh, that's probably not true, but I still want to put it out there in that I think Miko might have been the person to upload the Worm Flem tape originally. Hmm. Because you need... You need a few things. You need a guy who had access to the tape. You needed a guy that was obsessed enough with underground music to care about uploading it. And you needed a guy with that level of technical know-how for the time. And Miko... Oh, just, to, just to do the rip. Yes, just to do the rip. And upon research, I didn't even realize that at the time, Miko Aspa comes from Lati, Finland, where mm. Wormflam are from. So he was probably handed a copy of this tape when it came out. Cool. So, so that's very cool. Uh, so Stop It Modern started like on the same year as Wormflam, like in 2001. I mean, wait, oh, no, no, not cool. Miko's on this project? That's fucked up, man. <laughs> well, it'll be even more <laughs> fucked up when you hear the music, man. Um, <laughs> So, uh, early, I think he was inspired by Wormflem for early Stabat Mater. Um, obviously his execution is different. It still has like his kind of characteristic primitive thing going on. Mm -hmm. It's not as kind of elaborate and sprawling as Wormflem, but I definitely think some of the ideas are definitely here, at least in terms of atmosphere. 
So we're going to go to 2002 uh, on his split with Worship, who are probably another kind of seminal proto-Torture Doom band, although they're much more romantic-sounding. And we're going to listen to a fucking infamous track called Give Them Pain. Yeah, man, I heard that originally when I was 13 or 14, and that was uh, that was a fucking experience. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's really cool. Yeah, it's... Um, so, obviously, it's much more primitive than Worm Flem. It's just kind of simple <laughs> chugging riffs and kind of delicate leads. But, obviously, the, the whole, like, uh, sexual torture sample... I mean, I don't think Miko had done that before. I think he got that vibe off Worm Flem. And apparently the story goes um, that the samples that are used across that track are from Miko's own uh, porn videos that he was shooting and distributing in Finland at the time. I think he's, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he had like a, a company where he was doing kind of like semi-pro pornography, you know, in the BDSM vein, unsurprisingly. So apparently that's what it's taken from. Well, yeah. Oh, also, I, I think I realized I accidentally started at 4.52, not 5.42, so there may have been some super extreme sample that I missed, but I just fast-forwarded, and it sounded like I got the idea. Yeah, you got the idea. It's it's honestly, like, the whole song is just a couple riffs for, like, ten minutes broken it, up by the samples. It's good. It's pretty heavy. Satisfying guitar tone, steady chug, uh, you know, um, none yelps. Yeah, yeah, no, it's <clears throat> it's really cool, and uh, later Stabat Mater is also excellent. He started instead to he started to switch the focus from this sort of like like atavistic torture stuff over to just Catholicism, and he changed the sound a little bit to really be based around those kind of winding leads. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is I think that happened around when he joined Deathspell Omega, or maybe a little bit after. I think that was mm -hmm. a big influence. And other stuff um, that he did, like, above him off the Crushing the Holy Trinity split, that's one of the best Funeral Doom songs ever made. Absolutely worth listening to. Um, okay, so 2003. Go on another year. We're gonna go with a band that's definitely not Torture Doom, but I think was probably listening to Torture Doom and probably influenced it uh, in turn, which is Conate, who I'm sure you're familiar with and have probably never listened to. I've listened to it. I hate it. 
<laughs> you uh, hate Connie. Well, you know, at least I did. I probably appreciate it more now, but, you know, yeah. I mean, this was the elephant in the room. I was going to ask about this. We could come back to it more later, but, like, the interesting thing, right, is that this micro-niche scene that really is an offshoot of funeral doom and black metal and noise uh, is happening at the same time as metal in general is taking this drift towards slower tempos. Um, and the first thing that, quote-unquote, hipsters, which we'll just use as a catch-all for people, art people, punk people, you know, we've said it before, right? Mm -hmm. When these people start, or when, and journalists, right, when they start taking an interest in metal, uh, it's really in slow stuff, because the slow is less scary. Mm -hmm. um, and it sort of seems like it's cooler, it's more reserved, right? Um, yeah. And that's that's how they get into it. And there's the, these arty slow bands, right? So I was thinking, like, the first Sun demo, I just looked it up, is, like, 2001, right? Yeah, Double and Zero Void. Sun shares members with Kane, right? Yeah, it's I, I think it literally is um, Steven and Greg. For, I, yeah. I, it's, like, the two main guys. Yeah. And, and, like, you know, they're working with very similar raw material to Torture Doom in some ways, except their whole thing is making it not sound like metal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that I, I, I would just say that, again, I think this is an instance of parallel evolution um, mm -hmm. because the reality is I've had a lot of different opinions on, you know, the Southern Lord guys over sure. the years. I, I think it's you can't just have one opinion on them. Yeah. So it's like I think that I've come to a point in my life where I think they are basically good hearted guys who really appreciate heavy metal for what it is and also appreciate weird sort of New York art music and wanted to bring those passions together and it had disastrous consequences that aren't necessarily their fault, you know? Yeah, and, you know, people have also said to me, if you just listen to Sun as, like, industrial drone music, it's better, and I think that's true. And they finally recorded this record, Life Metal, that sounds more like something like Skullflower or... Nadia from back in the day, and it's pretty. Chill. Yeah, yeah, or it's like Angelic chill. Process or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all happening at the same time too. Angelic Process and Nadia, Nadia, who were a great band. I mean, all sound. Yeah, the Nadia same are eventually. cool. All sounded the same eventually, but it was like Sono with like I drums and ideas. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, um, well, no, I think, but it, but it's also. I mean, even if we wanted to say that these guys were instrumental in it being a problem we would have to lay the same blame at the feet of like Aquarius records who at exactly the same time were doing their own thing on the opposite coast. Wait, Aquarius, no, was Sun and Aquarius were both West coast. No, Sun, um, Sun or New York, dude. No, Sun have always, Sun have been from LA for a long time and Greg Anderson's from Seattle. Oh, that's weird because Conade, it says is from New York. That is that is interesting. Um, Wait, maybe, maybe there were bouncing between. Stephen them. O'Malley could have lived somewhere else. Yeah, like, um, but but uh, but Greg Anderson is a West Coast guy. Um, yeah, well, we're not going to figure this. We're not. Yeah, that's fine. Right now. It's uh, <laughs> Well, clearly those you know scenes were in are? communication they're, with each other. There are some coastal dudes. 
Yeah, coastal, coastal dudes. Yeah, that's what you say with your teeth gritted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, to, to bring it back, so this is a, a cut off of Things Viral, which was their second record, uh, Conate's second record in 2003, which is popularly known as, quote-unquote, the worst Conate record, the one that people <laughs> don't like, which unsurprisingly means it's my favorite Conate record. Um, it's uh, super weird. It still has the jammy quality, but it really embraces this really harsh, sparse minimalism. And I think avant-garde kind of doom people and torture doom people probably took some ideas from this. So we'll listen to a little bit off the last track on that album called Too Close Enough to Touch. You know, it's it's funny because I think uh, I had mentioned this on a recent episode. the The difference in perception uh, between me and you, just based off of like how we came up and the circles we traveled in, because I can understand why you don't like this. Because when you listen to this, you're hearing invisibly behind it a whole chain of other kind of like art bands, where I'm not. I kind of get that, but I also just, I mean, yeah, no, that, that certainly, that certainly is a part of it. Yes. You, yes. In some ways there are ways that you have more time for art music than I do. Um, or like, yeah, certain, you've certain, you're done with it. You've already been through the ringer on that shit. Well, and I just have, I have the bands I like with the, there are some bands I think are doing better things within that category. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, like I, yeah, certain gestures will scan to me, like, you know, like this. This does scan to me as pretentious. Um, mm-hmm. On the on the other hand, it's 
it's tough, right? Because if I center myself in my own taste, I still really don't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think I can hear what you hear in it. One thing is yeah. like, one thing is, I mean, that that, but that's part of the part of the problem with being open-minded on Terminus is it just makes us all fucking wishy-washy. Like, yeah, <laughs> if I really center myself in my own personal taste, I strongly dislike this. Um, but like, if you think about the the guitars are weirdly melodic, is what I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're kind of like a... it's kind of like free jazzy guitars. Yeah, and I would say I think that a lot of my appreciation for the stuff because I do really like Conate mm-hmm. um, as up and down as I am about the guys' uh, different projects, you know, the guys affiliated with it, and I think it's just because when I arrived at this, you know. I didn't have any sort of noise background or indie background or kind of like art rock background. So I was listening to this as just incredibly avant-garde doom metal. Mm -hmm. So without all that context to kind of make sense of it, it seems so alien and extreme. I liked it in the same way that I did just other really extreme music. You know, and that's kind of carried over today because I because I got there early enough. I, I, I get what you mean. I mean, like the vocals are good. Um, you know, I like the vocals in Burning Witch. I, I think like there Burning are certain, Witch is great. There are certain Burning Witch songs that I like a lot. And I feel like the um, the fact that that guy is no longer doing vocals is like a loss to metal. Oh yeah. Well, there. It's also, it's also recorded in such a fucking expensive studio. You can tell. I mean, there's so much like beautiful natural reverb and echo on everything. It's 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 wonderful. Um, <clears throat> but then again, it's also like I've got a lot more patience for like swans than you, which is clearly what this is, or yeah, initially I hate, patterned hate after. Swans. Yeah, exactly. Which it's, that's um... so funny to me. <laughs> And, you know, there's just Swans is the concept of a band without the content. They knew very much what kind of band they wanted to be. That's yeah, that's the thing. I'm just comparing these to other art rock bands. It's um, it's it's uh, like the kind of thing that these bands are. I get why it's appealing. Um, dude, I was trying to find the Metal Archives picture of Edgy Fifty Nine from from burning witch but he used to have these awesome biomorphic geiger tattoos that in his picture (laughs) like um i'll have to check that out um all right so 2004 this is the big year for torture doom because this is when i don't know when the worm phlegm demo was originally uploaded probably mid to late 2003 early 2004 but whenever it was it gave there was enough time to percolate that people could start putting stuff out this year in relation to it and uh the first one we got to go for is bunker so bunker uh is a dutch kind of droning funeral doom band but was absolutely part of the whole torture doom scene who uh, supposedly there were kind of like private CDR releases before 2004, but you can't find any of them online. So, you know, fuck it. All right. So we've got bludgeon their first album in 2004, which is a single 70 minute endurance test. (laughs) That is, uh, 
kind of connects the Funeral Doom stuff to the really weird kind of crusty drone stuff we're going to hear a little bit later. Mm. Okay. Um, which is kind of its own thing. It's it's very strange, and you'll probably have a lot to say about it that I don't you know, no, well, necessarily have to back up again. So, so bunker bludgeon, pure endurance test music, and we're just going to listen to a couple minutes from the middle of the one song. So you were saying as that played that you really like that, which I find very interesting. Yeah, I don't like the end as much. It's yeah, and that's just me trying to be. I'm like at this point, I'm like trying to be like I'm trying to figure out like okay, if I really center myself in my tastes, how do I feel about this stuff? So the mm-hmm. end when it hits that lurching tempo again, I just have a heart. It just has no momentum to me. Um, yeah, the part though where the drummer was laying it on a little harder, right? Um, and yeah. yeah, I liked that a lot. There's like a rich kind of there, that that is it a bass or is it a guitar? The sort of the the low end sound at the core yeah, of it. There's there's no guitar in Bunker. It's bass exclusively. Okay, yeah, that's it's just got a really cool kind of weird hollow tone. Um, mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit kind of primitive folk instrument in the same way something like Vulcanaz does. Yeah. Um, Vulcanaz is guitars that sound like they're being played on trumpets without valves. Um, <laughs> you know, like those horns with the serpent's heads on them. Like, um, uh, This has something, yeah, kind of cool and primitivistic about it. It's got a sense of melody in the riff. It sort of, the melodies feel a little more kind of black metal-y to me. Um, I can see that. Because uh, Bunker is guys from, like, the... The, the metal scene as well as the noise scene of uh, the Netherlands. And what's interesting, though, is that Bunker is very important to Torture Doom as a whole because <laughs> they're kind of what accidentally killed it. Because, 
All right, so uh, one of the guys in Bunker, I don't believe he's in the band anymore. His name is uh, Manuel Lindemann. Uh Take this with a grain of salt as I say it, because I don't have 100% confirmation, but I'm 99% sure. Um, Manuel uh, was talking to a lot of people in the early Torture Doom scene about a label he wanted to start called Coma Works. And uh, I haven't officially connected it to Manuel, but Manuel does use that name for his visual art studio that he runs now. So I think it's safe to say that they're probably the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, so Manuel was talking to bands like Wormflam and Funeralium, as well as he had plans for Bunker and affiliated projects to do releases long anticipated on a label called Coma Works. And then it's very hard to tell exactly what happened. There's just very vague posts way back in the day on like doommetal.com around 2005 that say Manuel had some sort of huge personal issues and he basically just stopped the label. It never got off the ground. The problem was he had been talking about it and coma works at that point was just like something everyone was so excited about in this community. That was going to be the place for torture doom in a way, this really extreme Doom stuff that everyone was so excited about. And then when that went away, you know, the promise of, like, an island for this music, everyone kind of scattered to the winds. It's like they had plans for their albums, and then they had to go different places. And because of that, the scene never really coalesced in the way that it might have. You imagine almost a sort of, like, early earache for grindcore situation of all these guys on the same label trading ideas and really building something from the ground up in this very DIY Mm -hmm. manner. But it just never happened. And then for a while, Coma Works itself was sort of a a meme in the scene, saying, Mm -hmm. you know, fuck Coma Works, or, you know, Coma Works fucked up everything for everybody, you know? So did he sign, did he make any financial commitments? I don't know. I mean, honestly, probably not. It was probably all kind of handshake stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, as it is in the underground. And I don't think at this point anyone begrudges Manuel himself. I think he just got ahead of himself and, you know, probably had personal stuff going on. But when Coma Works didn't materialize, it feels like it sucked the wind out of the scene. And it's very interesting to think about what may have happened had Coma Works materialized in the way it was envisioned. Yeah, because you were telling me the other day that, like, some of this stuff was for a minute really popular. Like, outside, and I, I take that to mean outside the initial group of Soul Seek goons like yourself who got into it. Yeah, I think that certain bands like Bunker and Wormflem, particularly those mm-hmm. two, had started to pop up in like cutting edge metal journalism I guess you know whatever there was for that at the time mm-hmm. just you know the phase beyond soul seat goon when yeah. you know people who can show it to people actually discover it so there was excitement around both of those bands I mean bludgeon was extremely divisive when bunker came out with it but it definitely attracted the attention of not even hipster, but just kind of like weirdo people in general. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Wormflam obviously had gripped people like crazy, you know, by around 2004, late 2003, 2004 is when the Soul Seed Goons found it. And it was probably around 2005 that s- slightly more normie metalheads found it. So it was a, it was a pretty big deal, actually. You know what? Bunker um, also is clearly the most accessible of those bands. You think so? I think in some ways, yeah, because the tones are just so rich. Like, it's like good sounding mm. music. You know what I mean? It's like good sounding music. It's, I gotcha. And it's got that little bit more of kind of intelligible, simple, kind of riffy melody in it. And it's it's more of a fuzzy noise. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Wormflam also, like, has this metal-y quality to it. But Wormflam, like, really, uh... Uh, Wormflam like really sounds like really extreme metal, and it is the guy going like, um, <laughs> you know, uh, like, and has sort of very kind of bleak and unpleasant sounding melodies. Bunker doesn't really sound bleak; it just sounds big. Yeah, it's just big and oppressive. It's yeah, the, the, it's got runes on it and shit. So I think it's just like imagistically tapped into some sort of different stuff and. I can see why it's lasted on the industrial drone. Probably, you know, you know, heathen post-industrial people probably like this, right? Yeah, and I can also see it's, how it kind of appeals to the, at least nowadays, the, the that weird segment of listeners who are doom people but not metal people. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for like, sure. Yeah, that niche of that niche of people created by like Sun and Kane. Yeah, definitely. I, I can see how it accesses them. So I, I, I like Bunker. It's definitely not everyday listening because <laughs> you should you should try listening to a whole album. That uh, shit kind of fucking wears on you when it's an hour of it, but I I believe that. I just meant the tones are nicer. That's another thing that always made it difficult for me to get into music like this, is like the making it the album an hour long. Of one song, well, yeah. I, under, I understand there's a case for it. I feel like if you're writing music that, like, has some sort of feeling of development about it and you're, it's, like, attention-demanding music, I kind of mm-hmm. get why you could do that. If you really were able, it would be, it's a really ballsy thing to do, but if you could pull it off, it would be, you know, it'd be hats off to you, right? You know? Yeah, um, yeah. You could set the terms. If you were good enough, you could set the terms on how many tracks would be on your album. But for anything yeah. else, it's like, you know, like Into Oblivion could maybe get away with it. Um, but They're just you, that good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not that we wouldn't give them shit for it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> like, but, like, for a lot of things, it's just like, dude, Please do write the whole thing as one song, but just do me the courtesy of letting me break it up into like fifteen minute chunks. Yeah, give give me movements within exactly, it. You know? Exactly. Like even symphony yeah, symphonies have they paw the the mel the, the model for this, oh, it's all one thing, you have to listen to the whole thing, is a symphony. And symphonies pause and like you can get up and go piss. <laughs> um. Alright, so uh, next up, uh, also same year, 2004, we've got Funeralium, which is one of the bands that kind of got burnt by Comorks. So Funeralium were supposed to release their first self-titled record, uh, their full length, on Comorks. That didn't happen, so they ended up putting it out on Total Rust Music a couple years later. Uh, for people who aren't familiar, Total Rust was a very cool 
Israeli doom label of all things. Uh, they mm. did a lot of very extreme, weird stuff. They're not really around anymore. It looks like they just kind of stopped doing stuff around the mid 2010s, but there's a lot of very cool underground stuff to find on that label. So Funeralium kind of took torture doom aesthetics and applied them to song structures that were a little bit more accessible to people who were into the slowed down death doom style of, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the funeral doom at the time. So funeralium, if you want to get into the style of music and you're still concerned about ideas like accessibility, this is probably the way to go. Um, So what we're going to listen to is a track called transcendence number 26. And the uh, recording we're going to hear here is off the 2007 full length, but it is a re-recording off of their first demo from 2004, which was called Ultra Sick Doom, which is awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, so I just decided, oh, this is kind of the full version that I'm more familiar with. So we'll just listen to the 2007 version. Try that one out. So you can you can probably see how that relates a little bit more to normal funeral doom. I, I maybe maybe in the sense of the textures, but in some sense there's like less. The, it, I, I might have found that the hardest to get my hooks in. Really, that's interesting because I think that's because, one of the most accessible. Well, I get that the tones are the prettiest, right? 
Mm-hmm. I get that the tones are pretty and they're kind of spaced apart. I get how it might like. Does it sound? It sounds a little like Thurgathon, right? A little bit, yeah. But like when you were saying like Death Doom or something, like I, I didn't hear any death metal there. Um, I was maybe I maybe I was ex- I, dude, I was hoping for something that just sounded like really heavy. My dying bride, you know. <laughs> I, I was hoping for something with chugs. Okay, sorry. Um, you know, like some chugs, some some uh, sort of uh, dolorous gothic melody. Um, but um, it uh, well, it also has that drum quality. The thing that I don't like in, and this is not just torture. This is you know, this in some sense is beside the point because it's just about a variety of kinds of extreme doom. The thing I don't like is the drumming style known as. right kick you know you do your kick you thump your tom and you hit your hit your symbol and that's what you do um like i get that there are moments where you might want to do that and i get that you can do it in a rhythmic more rhythmic way but like that that kind of um open space the, the very even spaciousness of it is like uh kind of meditative in a way I wouldn't associate with like not I mean like literally meditative I mean like coils music with symbols mm-hmm. rather than like uh, um, like funeral doom or death doom yeah funeralium is of the torture doom stuff the stuff that you are supposed to f- feel sad in your room too more than okay. any of them. Like it's to me, it strikes me as like a, a compromise struck between the more romantic side of Funeral Doom with the more extreme side, as represented by Torture Doom. And Funeralium are still going on, and uh, part of that is because a couple of the members, like a couple of the main members, are also in a project called Ataraxy, which has I've gotten like that. a. Yeah, Ataraxy's more popular than Funeralium, and I, I personally think Ataraxy are better. There's some really interesting stuff, especially later on in their career. A lot of people talk about their first album, Slow Transcending Agony, as being really essential. I don't think so. I honestly think they get better with every album, and then the last one, uh, I'd have to look up the title. Bro, uh, this cover, dude, do you remember the cover? Uh, Resignus? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's an awesome cover. Yeah, I was going to say, this is right up your alley. Yeah, it's a bunch of people lining up to get their heads chopped off. Yeah, it's like, Ataraxia is also like a little bit torture doomy, but still a little bit further on the side of kind of melodic funeral doom, but just very, just craftsman's music, just excellently made stuff. Uh, I really recommend people listen to Ataraxia. Yeah, I, I might have to check that out. Yeah, that's cool. And I think Resignus, that last record, is probably the best they've ever done. So, yeah, the uh, the, the cover art does indicate it correctly. Um, all right, so 2005, year after, we get to a band called Moss, who you might be familiar with. Yeah, now we're getting into the territory of things I probably checked out at some point. 
Okay, yeah. So yeah, Moss... Obviously, you know, like the name, even just the name means I'd probably click, right? <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so Moss was a band... This is another case where I'd say they're not exactly Torture Doom. I mean, they kind of are. They were clearly listening to that, and I know that Ollie from Moss was hanging out on the Doom Metal forums back in the day. He was talking to all the same people. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, that is part of the distinction is like if you're not exactly torture doom but you were talking to all the torture doom guys mm-hmm. and you were comparing notes and hanging out with them i'm gonna put you on the sheet you know dude fbi torture doom adjacent list <laughs> absolutely um so moss is interesting and i'm interested in your uh your thoughts when we listen to this mm-hmm. so moss definitely feel like they were coming from to some degree Kind of like the punk and crust scene. The logo uh, and the name immediately suggest that. Yeah, um, they... Oh, go ahead. And I feel like, just my associates with that, I feel like I know them in association with Corrupted, and I feel like both are associated with... Corrupted definitely associated with... I think they're both referenced, at least, by the Fuck Yoga label, which is a great label. Um... Uh, but they corrupted is I don't know about Moss being on that. Moss yeah, was so, weird. So they may have been referenced by, you know, maybe he says sounds like Moss. Oh, and also Moss did a split with Nadia. There you go. Yeah, Moss did so, that that early yeah. split with Nadia, and they were just tight with a lot of kind of D beat bands. And like, if you look at the picture of them, it's like, oh, they're kind of like. You know, crust guys who are also into metal. You know what I mean? There's a vibe. Yeah, they're like bolt throwery. It's like yeah, they're this very kind bolt of, Yeah, UK kind of earthy. It's like the the old descent from stench. It's this kind of earthy metal punk stuff. Yeah, um, it's like it's it's straight Birmingham fucking like love me wife, love benediction, eight well, fast songs unless they're crust. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm excited to hear how this sounds. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah so uh, real quick, so Moss is basically the only band kind of related to the scene that came from the UK. Uh, this is another case where supposedly they had early CDRs and demos. I can't find anything before that split from Nadia, so whatever. But we're going to listen to something off their first full-length, which was called Chthonic Rites. It was a two-track, hour-long record, and we're going to listen to part of the first track, which was called Crypts of Somnambulance.
So I wonder if, uh, if without being primed for it, if you would still get that kind of like punk scene vibe from this. It's honestly hard to say. I mean, mm-hmm. in in some sense, the priming is fair game because like it's part of the art, right? You see the yeah, logo. yeah. Usually, you see the logo first, and like with so many bands, the priming is actually essential. Or like Kektorak is a good example of that, right? Um, yeah, that's it doesn't true. it doesn't depend on the priming, but the priming like a lot of dungeon synth depends exclusively on the visuals, but like. Uh, or it depends highly, highly, highly on the visuals to, like, give you some angle on the sound. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this is... Uh, it, yeah, Cactarac isn't like that, but the visuals are essential. Um, would I feel it to be crusty um, or nature-y? The thing you could say about it would be the... Um, well, it has richer tones, so it's more on the bunker spectrum than the worm phlegm spectrum, end of the spectrum. Um, it's got, uh, I don't know, yeah, I, I like the sound here. Um, this is sort of like rich, kind of warm sound. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. You know, the vocals, I mean, you could hear how the vocals relate to Crust, but they also just relate to Torture Doom, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think I would, the, say, I, I would say I, think, I, think, I can, It makes sense that it's coming out of that scene, but I think it is so far transformed that it's very much a part of this niche that you're pointing out. Yeah, that's fair. Because uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was the vocalist Ali who was mm-hmm. talking to a lot of people on DoomMetal.com, and I don't say this to like disparage his Doom cred because he's. He was real, and he was a cool guy, and he was talking to everyone. He was, you know, he was talking to Worm, Flem, and Bunker and shit. Um, but it is interesting the way they came out of this scene, and then there is a whole kind of sludgy, drony funeral doom thing nowadays, and I think Moss were one of the first parts of that, you know? Yeah, so stuff that people would just call, like, extreme doom or whatever. I mean, well, I feel like you would put... People would put Kane and Burning Witch as part of that lineage, right? Uh, oh, I was thinking even more directly to stuff like Bell Witch or... Uh, oh, oh. Or, like, uh, Monarch, who we'll talk about a little bit I was bit saying, later. Monarch is on... Monarch they did a split with, right? And Monarch's on this list. Yeah, but I feel like people connected Monarch to Kane and shit. Um... Yeah, even though Monarch is really just like, I I mean we'll get to Monarch, but yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Monarch we'll, we'll are, to... ju- yeah, Monarch are literally just crust dudes doing drone doom, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I mean I think like um, I can hear how Moss would fit with sludgy bands. Um, also, I do want to say, I, I have uh, I, I have the memory of an elephant. The Moss did do a release, on, two releases on uh, Fuck Yoga. They did the uh, Eternal Return EP and some sort of uh, Sinister History Volume 1 or something. Oh, okay. I get yeah. it. All right, yeah, I didn't even know about that because that's like it's, way later than I was paying attention to them. It's a label from Macedonia that has a really cool, very unique, uh, sort of mystical punk metal aesthetic. Um, 
puts out a lot of Ride for Revenge stuff, and I oh yeah, we've peri- we've talked yeah. about it, yeah, because yeah, it's, it's very much like Bestial Burst. Exactly, exactly in that vein. So I periodically order from that guy once every half decade or whatever, and you know you'll get a lot of stickers and shit like that. <laughs> say like moss or whatever. Very know? cool guy shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. So to get to the end of like the the crucial obvious stuff you know the bigger bands as big as a band that we get in the scene we go on to 2006 and we arrive back at worm phlegm uh who five years after their original demo did their first and only full length called tomb of the ancient king which probably tattoo section after next i'm gonna be dedicating a a big chunk of my body to the cover of this album because and he's not going to tell you what chunk that is oh grundle all the way <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> so an interesting thing about worm phlegm is kind of what i was saying you know when we talked about the first demo is like these guys didn't really expect to be a big deal you know this wasn't put out there in some like cool marketing way it was accidental that somebody ripped it to mp3 and put it on the internet and then it caught fire and then everyone was talking about ooh the worm phlegm album when's it gonna happen when's it gonna happen and i get the sense that worm phlegm were really doing this album more for us than they were for themselves they talked about doing a you know a full-length record they probably had ideas but i think there was a lot of pressure put on them to do it and they did it, and I think it's the apex of Torture Doom. I think it's the best thing that ever came out of the genre. And just thinking about it takes me back to being a teenager, because I remember on Soul Seek, you know, uh, the day that it was released on Paniac Records, if anyone fucking remembers that. Um, Paniac Records put it out, vinyl-only edition, so we had to wait for people to receive it in the mail, and then we had to wait for them to rip it for us. And I remember some guy in the Doom Metal room on Soul Seek saying, Hey, Tomb of the Ancient King just came in the mail. And immediately we stacked up in the Doom Metal room and we were talking <laughs> to him about like, dude, are you ripping it now? He's like, I'm doing my first playthrough through the speakers and I'm ripping it at the same time. And he's like, I just got done with the first side. It's fucking sick. It's going to blow your mind. And it's like, I'm ripping the second side now. And we were just losing our fucking shit waiting for it. And I remember when the MP3s finally showed up in his list, it was like a a gangbang you've never seen before. People trying to download this thing. You know, I was downloading this record at half a kilobyte a second for two days or some shit. You know, it was probably actually just like five guys who were as dumb as me who cared about this shit, but it felt like the whole world was ending at the time. Just think Um, how the record felt. Oh, yeah. No, and I gotta say, this is... This is one of my favorite records of all time. This is probably top 10 material of all time for me. So uh, we're going to listen to the first track, the which is basically the first side of the record. It's a half-hour song. We're going to listen to a section off Epijumala Monet Tese Muinen Palvetin Laranjalesa. And uh, remember what I said about the sample off the first demo, that lead guitar? Keep that in your mind. Okay. Keep it again here. So let's listen to this clip. 
then five years later, the same lead comes back. Transformed slightly, but still unmistakably the worm phlegm lead that we had been listening to for half a decade. It's got such deliberate pacing to it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, that's great, dude. That's, that, yeah, that, it's just, that's, that's really sick. I mean, that's, it, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those cases where I'm like, oh, this is perfect music for me. Even, I mean, even just that amount of movement in the drums combined with the fact that the melody has its own momentum to it is, mm-hmm. is enough for me to, to get into. And the, um, yeah, the melody is very cool. It sounds less, it sounds matured. It sounds more, sounds less like Funeral Doom. Also sounds less like spooky 90s extreme metal. Um, and it sounds more, it sounds prettier, but also more dissonant in part. Yeah, I've always, it's, I've always associated it, this record, like, in my mind in a weird way with, uh, I always imagined, like, the, uh, uh, because it's got that little bit of, like, Phrygian quality to it, that little mm-hmm. bit of kind of Arabic sound, mm-hmm. and I always imagined, like, the original, like, Hashishan assassins, like, smoking hash and plotting an assassination over the bulls, you know? It's uh, it's so yeah. interesting. I, I I can I can see that for sure. Um it's Um the vocals are phenomenal. I mean, you know, it gives me a little bit of a sepulchral curse vibe in that these are clearly just <laughs> Finnish Finnish guys who if you ask them what metal they like, they're just like, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and there are there were probably three or four different vocal styles on there, and I, because of the way they're recording it, right? Presumably they went back over into the vocals, and there's so much space for it that you can just give every single erg like your all, right? Oh um, yeah, it's it's cavernous in the way of, that cavern core yeah. bands never were. Yeah, those kind of bellowing crust or sludge vocals at the end, those. Uh, you know i can't even i can't do it without actually yelling right but (laughs) um it's uh those were so cool um and again you know you can hear uh, at the very end when it turns around it's just it just sounds like hellhammer yeah it's a it's all about that like that emphasis on the one yeah like all the really good stuff it is very yeah, very original or very originary in that it is you can hear lots of music coming out of this, you can hear it being ahead of the pack, and at the same time it also sounds older than its contemporaries. Like it's uh like two thousand and six were was not boom years for Hellhammer. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it would it would take a couple more years for that to be a uh, a clutch name drop, I think. Um, yeah, well, I think one of the things that makes it so interesting is that it is so compared to, I would say, any of the bands, other bands that we've listened to from the modern era of Torture Doom, so to speak. It's just, it's the most heavy metal of all of yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you just bang your head, man. Yeah, it's unmistakably heavy metal. It's unmistakably doom metal in kind of a mm-hmm. traditional doom sense. Like, you can hear the tie to Cathedral and St. Vitus there. You know? Yeah, yeah. If you played it for Ozzy, he'd just say, what have I done? 
right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, so yeah, yes. uh, you know, it's also the vocals cut across the. You know, you've got that kind of very even timing on the the main drums and riffs, but the vocals cut in addition to the melody stitching things together with that kind of legato thing. You've got the vo- the vocals cut across it at unusual t- at different times, and I think that's important. Yeah, there's this almost like polyrhythmic development with the vocals of all these like these like four different vocal tracks, and they're just kind of like they're. It feels like they're improvising certain parts on the spot. It's just like I'm just gonna shriek here. There's yeah. no lyrics, but I'm gonna do a scream while this other guy is reciting. Apparently, the lyrics are a uh, are. A recitement of a list of Finnish, like, false pagan gods that a Christian missionary produced about the region in, like, the 1500s or 1600s. Dude, that's sick. Oh, yeah. It's it's awesome. So he's just basically reciting the names of all these pagan gods, and there's just these shrieks cutting across it. You know, it's like, it is like the whole destruction of a way of life or a culture. You know, and then it's rising again in an evil form. It's it, it's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty sick, man. I that's clearly the best thing you've played me tonight. Okay, so I think at this point we've covered most of the the big artists of the torture doom scene, like the stuff that is most immediately recognizable to a lot of people. But then there was a whole group of other bands that came in kind of late or were just kind of smaller projects in general that are also worth covering. Um, because, you know, I got to prove my my underground cred even within the Torture Doom scene. <laughs> and uh, this is where we get to some people who I actually have more personal affiliation with. Um, so after 2004, you know, we're starting, you know, even though... Uh, Worm Flem's full length came out in 2006. We're going back to 2005. So this is late torture doom. 2004 is your break point. You got your album out or your demo out then, or you know you, you were you were a latecomer. Um, so first off is a band that you've probably heard of from me called Senthil. Yes, I have. I I you mentioned them a lot, so I kind of figured that Senthil was a. Uh... Like in the same league as Worm Flem. Um, I think people who were really dedicated were listening to Senthil a lot. Um, so Senthil's first demo, uh, Cryptochorifuslet, came out in 2005, and Plague, one of the members of Senthil, has been a friend of mine for a fair number of years now. Uh, I mean, I think I probably started corresponding with him around. 2006-2007 you know he's got he's been involved in a lot of other projects but you know obviously I'm not going to associate those with him because everyone in Torture Doom was very private and very weird (laughs) so um, so Senthil's Cryptic Horrificelet was a another single track demo it's about 27 minutes long and it was accused by a lot of people, probably including myself at the time, of being sort of a worm phlegm clone, especially of that that first demo, which is all we had of worm phlegm. Which is not entirely true, because if you listen to it, clearly there's different things that they're interested in. Um, 
they're interested in much more kind of dissonant riffing, I think possibly influenced by really early orthodox stuff, as well as kind of a kind of an industrial doom vibe that you'll start to hear more in these smaller bands. So we'll just listen to a little snatch of this about two thirds of the way through the track and you can let me know what you think. So I think you can see how in a lot of the smaller bands, they really seized on the most dissonant aspects of this music and kind of transformed it around that. Yeah, you couldn't call that a worm flam clone. It's like, I mean, that'd be like calling Confuse a, a Discharge clone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like there's definitely something getting translated. The parts that he thinks are important in worm flam are not the parts that I hear is the most central. Um, yeah. And he's yeah, he's just not trying to imitate it. He's getting something out of it. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, I, c I can see the, the structural similarities. Like, for instance, we're coming off the end of that clean guitar part, and there's a clean guitar part in the uh, first Wormflum demo that happens about two-thirds of the way through. So I, I, I can see that. Yeah. Obviously, it was a substantial influence, but it's different. It has that very long, there is a sort of higher guitar part carrying on a very long whole note melody, but it's, or maybe those are quarter notes, who knows, um, but um, carrying on a very long sort of carefully paced melody, and that's like the worm phlegm thing, like the worm phlegm melody, but the notes are completely different. It's way more dissonant, almost like random dissonant. Um, it's weird kinds of 
effects on this. Is that like flanger? I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's so lo-fi in that like early direct-in way, mm-hmm. which is kind of its own sound and th- something that could probably be played with more. The the sort of like anti reverb of it. It's so flat and weird yeah, sounding. Yeah, just flat, spacious yeah. buzzing. Yeah, it's it, it's it's bizarre. Um, yeah, so Senthil, uh, Plague from Senthil, he uh, he did that, and then there was a split with Bosk, who is a a Portuguese guy who does very cool, weird, minimal funeral doom, and he also runs a label called I think it's Bubonic Records. Uh, which does uh, a lot of weird doom and weird black metal, and he's got a couple sub labels as well. I think that's on hold right now, but very good. And uh, so, and then Senthil did another EP back in uh, like 2007, and that's probably their best work. And then he closed up shop on that, but there are stirrings of him having worked on stuff in spurts, you know over the years so well you know time will tell if that if that gets to something um so next up uh like we were talking about before especially in relation to moss we have monarch who you probably have some experience with yeah this was one of those annoying bands um <laughs> are uh, they annoying yeah they were like a novelty act they were like the one note they were like the band that had the we talked about this back in the day, right? But they, they this is this is a band that you knew better because they can't you have context for this band that I don't, because I think to hmm. you they came out of the funeral doom scene, right? Or not funeral doom, they came out of torture doom to some degree, right? Yeah. Um and they were probably on the same forums. To me, this is in the same the people who were I knew who were had annoying taste in music and were really into like the Stephen O'Malley type, the the, the sort of Southern Lord clustered extreme drone doom stuff. Mm-hmm. They liked Monarch, and Monarch had this sort of cutesy, proto kawaii, sort of like cartoon kawaii witchy aesthetic, and they had the singer, the girl singer who wore the dress, and of course there's nothing wrong with having a girl singer, but the whole aesthetic seemed to revolve around this sort of like cutesy dark thing. Um, oh I, yeah. I, and musically it was, I, as I recall, musically it was a perfect example of the approach which oh there's yeah i guess i get that that's its own vocabulary and that you like it but to me it's just that's just a thing that is very hard to click for me Um, i get that when when i was younger and more adhd and had less time for things or whatever i just be like yes this is the annoying band i get that yeah no they definitely they had the cutesy aesthetic but again you know let's let's think about in terms of the time it was very unusual at the time um, this sort of like simple sort of cartoony line drawing stuff, but it was also combined with, you know, th- you know, 35 minute punishing like sludge drone songs. So, I mean, it kind of worked. And also, you know, and they have the like the cute French girl singer, you know, you have basically Amelie on vocals shrieking <laughs> really loud, which is Again, it's been played out now, but it's still cool because they were one of the first people to do it, really. Yeah, Um, I take all that. Uh, You know, and with these, you know, and a lot of the things that bugged me back in the day had more to do with how bands were received, right? Yeah, I get that. 
Yeah, so... Uh, no, I, uh, I really like Monarch. I think they're very cool for what they are. I would love to get an overpriced t-shirt with a very simple line drawing of one of their albums on it. You know? <laughs> they're, uh, I, I, but also, it's just like, I think that... So they're clearly... They're people from the punk scene, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's a spirit to it, and there's a real energy and a real love for the music that I think transcends a lot of bands doing similar stuff. I think they really like what they're doing and they're really invested in it. So, you know, fuck it. I mean, I like Monarch that that'll be, that'll be my, uh, that'll be my, my downfall one day, probably. Um, so we'll listen to, uh, a track off their first record. Uh, it was called six, six, six back in 2005. And it has one of my favorite song titles ever, which is Somewhere Below the Devil is Laughing. And uh, I think on the heels of stuff like Moss, this will sound very familiar and very comfortable for you. You know, I, I think ultimately I like this because this is what Electric Wizard is supposed to sound like to me. You know? <laughs> well, this the last this last riff, I'm still finishing the sample, but this this last riff is kind of, yeah, got kind of a stoner sludge feel for sure and is good. Oh, definitely. I, I described it in the notes as like, imagine Conate smoking a bunch of weed and you, you basically have the idea. Yeah, the stuff at the beginning kind of went past me, but when they started, when it got the first sort of scoop and the guitar, the first boom, that you know, perk ears perk up, right? It's a yeah. what is it? It's like a I sleep. I <laughs> the, yeah, you know, and then the laser eyes meme. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you do the uh, uh, um, yeah, extra um, arty, arty, sophisticated, extreme drone dude. I sleep, high on fire riff. I wake. 
<laughs> definitely, yeah. There's definitely a high on fire vibe here, and uh, this is obviously not torture doom. But we were talking about this band amongst ourselves in that scene at the same time um, that the contemporary torture doom stuff was happening. And the thing is, the Torture Doom scene really didn't draw distinctions between, like, oh, these bands are from the punk scene, or these bands are from the metal scene. We just wanted really heavy, really slow, really extreme stuff. And I I remember even, like, as a kid, I was a teenager, and this was well before... Because you gotta remember, I had never really listened to, like, punk or hardcore until, like, my 20s, pretty much. And I was just like... There, uh, that, that is true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. like, and I was like, what's this weird shit where they'll do splits where they do really short songs that are covers of bands that I've never heard of? Or they wanted to do a split with Disclose or something like that? And it's like, I don't know what any of that means, but I like uh, how down-tuned and slow it is, so I guess I'll listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it turns out that Monarch really has more to do with a legacy from punk and crust and hardcore than it does metal yeah probably like neurosis and shit you know um oh yeah i'm sure they love neurosis yeah um but yeah no but it it does have a lot i mean it does have a lot to do with metal i mean i think it's it's um like these people or moss are clearly very uh yeah it's basically in the same territory as torture I get that they're different things, but like it's it's um it would be yeah it would be silly to like segment them off from each other. Um, uh, yeah, I, no, I I thought about like not including that's them. That's less but, metal than yeah. that's less metal than Worm Flem, but I don't know that it's less metal than Bunker or any or you know a number of those other bands. Yeah, and I I think the relationship of this style to. You know, because Wormflem is like, Wormflem and Funeralium are way more heavy metal than most of the bands we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like dismissing, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "Oh, that doesn't conform to you know what I liked most about it." So I'm not gonna include the punk mm-hmm. band. You know, I'm not gonna do that. Well, so. also to be fair, you know, as it, it, at its roots, the genre seems to be stuff that is not exactly metalheads metal, right? I mean, abruptum mm-hmm. is definitely the wing of black metal that is not metal. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Black Mass of Abzu as appear to be, you know, yeah, Moonlighting Crusties, right? So like, <laughs> Moonlighting a- Crusties. That's that's actually the name of my power violence band. Well, funny, that, that was the name of my banjo project. Um, yeah, um, it we'll could be either. A, we'll have to do a split. Um, yeah, uh, but um, but like black, but like um, black mass sounds extremely metal, but it comes from mm-hmm. this sort of paramental background, and you can see, you know, it's fair to say that maybe there's this torture doom has kind of its own sonic territory, and people got there by whichever route they took, you know. Yeah, just like. It, I mean, it's based off such a simple conceit, which is, what if Funeral Doom, but as hard as possible? <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so, uh, so anyway, Monarch, uh, a band that I like a lot. Very strange, like, where they came from. 
they haven't really changed their sound, but now they're only listened to by people that are really into like Boris and stuff. So I, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, but we'll go on a year. We'll go on to the same year as uh, Tomb of the Ancient King, which is 2006. And we'll get into some more uh, kind of interesting stuff. So first up, uh, Black Bile with Cloacal Meditation. Uh, so this is the side project of a guy who is a pretty p prolific Black and Doom musician. Um I doubt he would care, but he's never officially adopted this project, so, you know, I'm not going to blow his shit up, even for a patron episode. But this is honestly one of the best things that Torture Doom ever produced. Uh, so this is based off the general skeleton of the first Worm Flem demo, but then there's a huge influence from, like, very serious dark ambient, like, maybe... Maybe Lustmord or maybe very cryptic industrial stuff that you might be more familiar with. Mm. And uh, there's also connection uh, back to Senthil because I believe this was the only American distribution for this uh, little CDR demo. Uh, that was on Pale Horse Recordings, which also released the Senthil material. So... Uh, yeah, this is a project from Cyprus, little one-man thing, and he just happened to create one of the best Torture Doom releases of all time. So let's check out Cloacal Meditation. So I think this might be one of the most extreme Torture Doom releases ever. Whoa, that scream that drops at uh, 2018. 
<laughs> yeah. So I can't say that's music I would normally listen to, but I can for sure get into that. Yeah, it's it's just fucking... It's so... I, I think it might be the darkest thing that Torture Doom ever produced. Like, even more than Worm Flem. It's like... Yeah, yeah. Oof. It, it's, it's like... It's literally no, Mikko's distressing. Thing sounds, Mikko's thing sounds fun. Comparison. Um, <laughs> however, there is also something fun about it. I mean, that's just kind of like a very slow version of a viscerally satisfying chug riff. I mean, yeah, I like the it's, you know the 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 feedback on a you know the down down. That's a good hook. That's like a hook. Yeah, I've always I've always thought of this sort of like. Uh, you know, the stories of uh, people getting lost in, like, the French catacombs and stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, under Paris. That's what I always associated it with mentally, is, like, <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're stuck in, like, a, a sewer or a place of the dead, and you're you're at the point of no return where the tour guides already warned you we won't try to find you. And you're just mm-hmm. shrieking in desperation for someone to help you. It's just oh, it's it's some of the most horrible, like miserable feeling stuff ever. And it's just yeah, well, it, it's you it's certainly close to made it less fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's a that's a genuinely chilling image, dude. Oh, it's uh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely um. It's definitely out there, and it, I, I highly recommend people listen to the whole, you know, what is it, fucking 29-minute song, because it goes through a lot of movements, there's a lot of stuff happening in it, and uh, it's it's very so, cool. Instructor, question. Um, where do they get the girl <laughs> sounds? That seems like a whole, that seems like a whole element of torture doom, is quote-unquote girl sounds, by which I mean screaming terrified women. Or, like, women who are engaged in, consensually engaged in extremely violent S&M. Um, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I think for Black Mile, it's literally just him shrieking that high. Okay, yeah, because those definitely, yeah, that, that, damn. Right. Oh, yeah, the vocals are the most extreme performance this side of Worm Flem. It's, uh... Like, I think that's more, I mean, that would, like, tear, that sounds, it's more extreme in the sense just that it seems like it would destroy your voice. Yeah, no, I think, um, like I said, I, I think the vocal performance in Torture Doom is a really important part of it, especially those just, like, insanely unhinged shrieks, uh, and Black Bile does them you know, better than almost anyone. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, man, that's some heavy shit. All right, so next up we've got a uh, a project that there's very little information about. And this is, I'll tell you right now, this is not great music, but I thought it, it, it was worth mentioning because it was part of the Extremity Arms race. So this is a project called Vaughn with two N's, distinguishing it from the American Vaughn, that is a sort of torturous drone doom project from Norway. 
that released a record in 2006 called Victim One Agony, and then in 2010 they did Victim One Ecstasy. And this is just improvisational kind of like goofy torture doom stuff. But, uh, you know, there were some kids early on that were like, ooh, this is the most extreme shit ever. <laughs> and it, it it was sort of a meme in the scene. But uh, I guess it has a very small cult following, so it Dude, is uh, it worth. still does. GamerX07 a year ago says, For those criticizing this, first of all, you won't be changing anyone's mind about if it's, quote, good or not. Second, if I had to label it, I'd agree with Alex Wesker 1000 for the most part. Very noisy, <laughs> like Maritzbau, as R to 0021 put. But this is a very strong similarity with anything Plague, a very prolific torture doom artist ever did. I know for sure two of his projects are Senthal, which is definitely not for the faint of heart, and Nevathus. Was this you? No, that is that is not me. That is not me because Vaughn is goofy. Because you don't like this band, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, uh, that is crazy though that this sort of niche, uh, niche fandom still exists. Yeah. So imagine uh, torture doom by way by way of abruptum by people who don't really know what they're doing. So we'll right. just listen to a little bit of Vaughn. you can distinguish between good and bad music in this genre but i think i understand now <laughs> yeah this is yeah this is just bad <laughs> this is just silly you know but uh it I, wasn't almost all the sound in the left channel like th there there were only sounds in the right right of my headphones for like the last f 15 seconds Oh, I I heard it in both channels, but the uh, the sampled uh, woman screaming sample that that was just in the left channel. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was pretty bad. That that, that was yeah. It's a, it, it's very silly. It's um, but it was talked about enough that I felt like it merited inclusion. Um, there was a thing that sounded like a black flag riff. Which, I mean, not, <laughs> which, you know, not saying much about Black Flag either. Um, well, no, it, it was funny because Vaughn was like, 
ah, oh, there's these stories about them, and they, they said that they had originally recorded it with drums, but they said, oh, with drums it sounded too human, so we removed them. Clearly, there were never drums recorded with this. The guitar is entirely randomly timed. This is just some guys who got drunk and recorded this in, like, a night, and they got a following of people who didn't know better, you know? <laughs> well, I threw, a, I threw a dislike on it for Terminus, so we're at, we're at a 20%. <laughs> All right. All right, and then to wrap it up for kind of late Torture Doom stuff, uh, I got to bring back one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, which is Planet AIDS, um, who, as you know, I have a tattoo from, so... Yeah, Planet AIDS is incredible. Um, so this is a project. Uh, it was like a side project of a couple members of Bunker, as well as a bunch of other people from the uh, like the Dutch scene. Uh, and I think they were mostly like non-metal people. Uh, it's it's very hard to figure out who was affiliated because I know they were like a four or five piece at one point, but I only know a couple of the members. So you know, whatever. Um, so they released an EP called Apocalyptic AIDS, which was a, uh, yeah, it's a single track EP and, uh, it's one of my favorite things that's ever been recorded because Planet AIDS basically heard Torture Doom, considered certain elements of it and decided what's this supposed to be? Oh, it's supposed to be a very extreme kind of electronic music. Um, so we're going to listen to a snippet off it. Again, it is a single track EP. It is like uh, 28 minutes long. Um, all, all the lyrics are taken from the Book of Revelations, so you, are, you already know what you're getting into here. Um, but I just, I, I love this. This is something I heard again as a teenager and I've just loved it forever enough to get an ill-advised tattoo of the band's logo many years later that I sent to them and uh, they very much appreciated so oh, that's Hales, nice. they were cool I sent it to them on Facebook and they were like fuck yeah man thanks a lot <laughs> and, uh, oh wait so, the band still exists or you're just in touch with them um, I, I, I don't know if they still exist. They still hang out on their Facebook, you know, <laughs> they, uh, they responded, you know, uh, uh, probably when did I get that tattoo? Uh, probably like five, six years back, something like that. And I just, uh, I sent them a picture and they were like, fuck yeah. Hail to the Neil division, you know? So hails to planet AIDS. Let's listen to some apocalyptic AIDS.
Yeah, that's just one of the coolest things in the world to me. <laughs> so, my car is going so slow. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, that's I, I, I like that. That's that's definitely one of my favorites we've heard today. Um, I think it does make a lot of sense. It's extreme electronic music. I like the dank beat. Um, it's uh, oh yeah. Yeah, the, the the giant fucking 808 kick drum. Yeah. You know I like yeah. anything with bells. <laughs> um, and you're saying there are guitars on this? Uh, there's, yeah, there's a guitarist on it, but it's mostly, I think it's those watches of noise. You hear that, you know, yeah, it's so more like really a... Cool. Yeah, it's it's more like a a guitar used in the industrial sense rather than Yeah, a, a no, it sounds instrument. a little... Sounds a little like Penetralia by Coil. Um, like it, uh, you can, yeah, very, very steeped in industrial stuff too. That's fucking cool and something I might listen to again. Um, also, I did a Discogs check on these guys, and unless you know that these are supposed to be like undercover aliases, um, mm -hmm. I would read what I found out. Oh no, I I know that Hair Aids, you know, kind of the main guy, the vocalist, has been in a bunch of stuff, and like one other guy, but I don't know really about the other personnel. But so I mean, there if, are, I, I so you can feel free. So there's a guy, yeah. Hair Aids is a guy named Kevin, and he has been in a bunch of battle projects: Ibex, Angel Order, uh, Sauron, um something called Abysmal Darkening, which I'm going to assume is metal. Something called Funeral Goat, which I'm also going to assume is metal. Funeral Goat is cool. Yeah, yeah that's just, like, raw, nasty, like, old war metal shit. Yeah, Zelf Hot. So, different from the um, Heathen's Heart scene, but Dutch metal bands. Um, mm -hmm. And now the other member is really interesting. Uh, Jim Doctor is his alias there. This guy appears to be Jimmy Blitzer, who is the um, the skinny guy from Earthhoust? Hmm. Um, there's two. There's the, the the sort of a corpulent one who I think found it. This is sort of the the visionary, and then there's this guy, uh, and um, he is a well known dude on the scene. I, I he's like I think he's a punk or has a lot of connections to that. Um, and he seems to have like I don't know like in his credits it said like he's he's like did vocals on a King Dude album or something. Right? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I, I did see that at one point. Um, I think that because Planet Aids was like kind of a super group type thing, mm -hmm. you know. But I know that like at one point they were like a four or five piece at so least. So there could alive. have been other people in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there were other people in it, but I don't know who those are. I bet they're probably from maybe like the noise scene up there, something like that. Well, cool. All right. Well, that's that's Planet Aids, kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you may or may not be wondering what happened to Torture Doom, and uh, well, I mean that's that's kind of an interesting question in and of itself because it's very hard to tell what influence Torture Doom may or may not have had on the rest of the metal scene. Uh, I've got theories about who picked it up, but to start, um, so there are, a, there's a very small handful of people still doing it. 
Um, for instance, uh, there is a project called Disjecta Membre, uh, who is doing very traditional torture doom even now. Uh, he has only released a couple things in standard torture doom sequence. I think the first one is from uh, 2007 or 2009. Let me pull it up. Uh, ba -ba -ba. Yeah, it was 2009 he released his first EP, and then he did another EP in 2017, which is standard funeral or torture doom pacing. Um, but it's it's, it's pretty good stuff. You say it's hard to write songs like this. I think it's extremely difficult. So uh, this is one of the guys from Funeralium uh, doing old school Wormflem inspired torture doom. So we'll listen to a little bit of that first EP, which in proper Torture Doom style is a single track that is 20 minutes long. So <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like that's the Torture Doom thing to do. So let's listen to Disjecta Membre's Tadium Vitae. Yeah, that is uh, extremely fun. Uh, I only found them very recently. Um, you know, just kind of looking up Torture Doom stuff. Every couple of years I Google Torture Doom to see if anyone else is talking about it. And if anyone else remembers the term. And uh, I saw people, a few people reference Disjecta Membre. And I was like, yeah, that's that's what I was into. That is what I'm looking for. And that is... That's very cool, and it's, like uh, you were saying while I was playing, it's a lot more immediate than a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's dense. There's a lot going on, and although the tempo is still low, there's a lot more kind of, um, it's like twice as fast, in some sense, just because there's more space filled in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, lots of shit happening all at once. It's sort of, um, people use the word chaotic all the time that sounds chaotic um oh yeah 
that's just a bunch of shit happening, and it's great. Um, it's got a really sick riff. I'm starting to see now. I'm starting to I'm starting to be able to make out certain different riffs in this style. So there's like the worm phlegm riff, and variations thereon. This riff that is um. <laughs> That That's a riff, hardcore riff at heart. Yeah, I love it. I mean, that so that is a more hardcore version of Black, the Planet AIDS and Black Massive Opsy riff. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I can see that, definitely. Dude, yeah, and as I was, I was saying to you, like, I mean, while this was playing, I was just cackling. Um, and <laughs> You were, the, yeah. yeah. I was saying to the death metal guy, it sounds like, like down tempo. Like, it has about... Because it, it's moving at a slow tempo, but it has this sort of rhythmic expansion and contraction. It has this convulsive quality to it, and it's just high energy. Um, it sounds yeah, this like, is like this is the first thing we've heard tonight where you could punch someone in the pit to it. Exactly, you could have yeah, you could for sure have banged it. Yeah, you could you could go off to this. This would be um, it sounds like um. Yeah, no, like Steel Bloom is a band that the death metal guy is really into. Um, that uh, I think that I sent to you, but you yeah, you you showed me yeah. them originally. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and then I I took it and I was like, fuck yeah, this is the best music. <laughs> yeah, you took it and ran with it. I I know when I've I know when I've caught one that's for you. It's uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, Steel Bloom is just sort of like absolutely sickening, sort of beat down with very abs ab like atmospheric industrial textural kind of guitar god fleshy guitars which dirty secret the main influence is corn um oh yeah no it's yeah. it's it's the ultimate realization of the first couple corn records that's where we came up with the genre school shooter music which we try not to use too much <laughs> on the show school shooter core is the coolest genre of music <laughs> oh i disavow i think um I, I prefer Constructive Citizen Corps. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That's probably Code Orange. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like I said, so you've got a, a couple people dotted around who are still doing Torture Doom stuff. And then some of the guys from those bands are still doing more regular Funeral Doom. Um, we talked about Funeralium, where a couple of the guys are doing Ataraxy, uh, which, again, very good, kind of straightforward funeral doom band with some torture touches here and there. But let's go to Tyranny, the main band of the guys from Worm Flem. And this is going to be a sample from their 2015 record, Aeons in Tectonic Interment. Um, this is a song called... Uh, a voice given unto ruin and uh it is chthonic funeral doom it is extremely vast and extremely it's got a real black metal feeling mm -hmm. it 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 feels like iljarn in a weird okay. way you know All it's right. just like isolated in an unforgiving nature um and it's cool. It, it feels oceanic. It feels beyond humanity in the skepticism way. But it's a little more aggressive to the listener than Stormcrow Fleet is. So it's, a, it's an excellent band.
Yeah, it's just very good, kind of epic, yet still very dark funeral doom. Okay, so noob question. What Mm -hmm. makes that funeral doom and not torture doom? Because it is very slow, it is far more dissonant and abrasive than standard funeral doom, at least as far as I know. Um, I mean, I don't I don't know if I see that as more abrasive than a lot of Funeral Doom, because I would compare that to a lot of stuff. So, like, that's what I'm... Am I missing... Is there, like, some sort of normative Funeral Doom that I'm missing? Because when I think of, like, Skepticism and Thurgathon, I think of, like, the genre is about those bands. And those bands are both very sort of uh, elegant, right? Um, I would say that... I would say that for Funeral Doom... um, it's a, it's a strange And I get case. how the sappy stuff is related to, but different from them. But is there some other kind of funeral doom that's just, like, a little more bludgeoning like this? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I, I think that funeral doom is a strange case where the, the originators of the genre, which are Skepticism and Theragathon, basically, don't have a ton to do with where the genre went. Like, uh, a good comparison to Tyranny would be a band like Ea, if you've heard them, just E-A. Mm, maybe. No, yeah, I mean. so so that's a, a band that kind of splits the line between kind of romantic funeral doom and that it's, it's, it's melodic, you know, right. there's stuff to seize onto, but it's also very bludgeoning and extremely heavy. Um... I, I don't think that most Funeral Doom now really has a lot to do with Skepticism and Thergathon, um, which is a problem, I would say, right, because I, I think, that. yeah, I think they're still better than basically anything in Funeral Doom. I can hear but. how this relates <clears throat> atmospherically to those bands. Like, I can hear how this is like Iljarn. I can hear how atmospherically it's kind of like them. I am, was pretty interested in that slow suppressed lead in the background yeah it just kind of hangs out yeah moving through some very you can tell it 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 is a melody but it's moving through some very weird grim intervals right uh Mm -hmm. yeah that that i get how that relates to them but just like the general if i'm confused about this other people will be confused so I get. I can see how this is different from Wormflam because Wormflam, in a sense, sounds more metal than this. Wormflam yeah. is like aggressive and has, you know, like, you know, chugga chuggas and like that sort of like you know unfolding riffs and the vocals. Yeah, Wormflam is heavy in a way. Tyranny is extremely heavy, but Wormflam is heavy in a different way. Right. So, what else would be like? Is this actually less busy than most Torture Doom? Possibly. I think that Torture Doom thrived off a kind of surprising depth. How does this sound different from Moth? Like, the pacing is similar. I get get that the harmonies are different. I get that this is much more like black metal and there's a bit more going on sonically. But if Moss is closer to Torture Doom than this, why is that? I think it really comes down to mood. I, you know, I, I think it comes down to stuff like, uh, like the vocal performance. 
You know, I I, I think oh. that's actually a, a weirdly important part of Torture Doom, you know, is the super unhinged, I guess the closest you could get to is like kind of a DSBM vocal performance. Okay, anguished vocals. Yeah, anguished vocals, extremely kind of angular, weird riffing. Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a sense, it also, you know, again, back to mood, it's like, tyranny is... You are in a certain landscape, or, well, I wouldn't say landscape, it's sort of an oceanscape, mm-hmm. absorbing the environment and being part of a story. Torture mm-hmm. Doom is assaulting the okay, listener. I get, I get that. Okay. Way. I get the torture screaming. You know, in some sense, what it is is that Worm Phlegm, this is true within Torture Doom. Worm Phlegm is an outlier within Torture Doom. Yeah, ironically, I think it is. If you had to put Worm Phlegm on a scale of metal, Worm Phlegm would be a 10. Oh, 10, oh yeah. Right? It's like, very heavy metal, and I think the the rest yeah. of Torture Doom is not quite Yeah, Worm Phlegm is like yeah. at dissection levels of is this metal. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, the rest of it does have less to do with metal, and is, uh, it's much, it's not riff-oriented in the same way, uh, Worm Phlegm seem as interested in inflicting pain as suffering it. A lot of the rest of these bands seem interested in sort of just, well, there is the S&M-y sadism stuff, but it's, it, I guess what I mean is Worm Phlegm are sort of more in grim, they're, they're more in the topos of, like, black metal, right? They have pictures with swords and, like, spikes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, yeah, like, that's um, true. Yeah, they're closer to a warrior thing, whereas the rest of this inhabits sex, like sex and or horror, right? Yeah, um, I, I think that's one of the things that makes Wormflem so distinct is that, I mean, there's really nothing that directly compares to Wormflem. Like they just yeah, they've right. got it, you know. It, it's yeah, it's yeah. one of those bands. Wormflem to me is. And this is going to sound insane to people. Wormflem is almost like a Celtic Frost thing to me. It's like they have taken in all these influences and they have created something perfectly singular that you cannot attribute to any one thing in particular. And No, I, 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 get, yeah. I get what you mean. And it, it you know, it like... It clearly had something to teach all these bands, but there's clearly a lot of things that you and I both like about Worm Phlegm that these bands did not, were not interested in and that have has yet to be explored. Yeah, everybody, you know, all these other Torture Doom bands took parts of Worm Phlegm that they found really compelling and then did their own thing with them, which is a, a good thing. That's what you're supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to take the parts that you're most fascinated by and expand upon them. But it's also, there never really was another band that captured the totality in the way that Wormflem did. I get that. Okay, so I, I that was clarifying. I think I understand now. All right, so next one. All right, so last sample. I promise we're done. So I think, um, as we were talking about much earlier regarding uh, Black Mass of Obsu, I think guys from the Bestial Burst scene probably listened to a lot of Torture Doom. And they took certain aspects of it and ran with it. Just ideas of, like, 
angular, slow dissonance, like making people suffer through these uh, really dissonant, incredibly slow changes. And I think they also embraced the weird industrial electronic abs aspects of it. And they kind of made that their own thing. It's not torture doom anymore, but I think it's very difficult to say that they weren't listening to worm flam or planet aids or stuff can, like that. Can you remind our listeners what this uh, bestial burst scene is? Because yours truly, I'm familiar with some of these bands, but I had to look it up. Uh, well, I, I mean, bestial burst is a uh, a label out of Finland, you know the biggest artist on Bestial Burst would be uh, Ride for Revenge. Yeah, 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 And it's very into extremely noisy, extremely raw, sort of primordial black death metal mm-hmm. uh, with big slabs of doom and noise and dark ambient tucked in there. It's, it's, it's just music for weirdos. And it's very comparable to, as you mentioned, something like Fuck Yoga Records. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah, it's 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 embracing. Or like Crucial Blast is kind of a somewhat more hardcore noise industrial guy version of this sound to some degree. Yeah, right? Cru- yeah. Crucial Blast is uh, clean white t-shirt, and yes. Bestial Burst is dirty black t-shirt. Yes, definitely. okay, that that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah, and so but, other bands include Flooded Church of Asmodeus, who you've mentioned on here. Mm-hmm. Um, also Valhalla Bound, which is, I think, a Harold Mentor project. He being the guy from Ride for Revenge. That's something Bull God has hyped a lot. It's like super retarded, one-two kind of punk beat shit about barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. uh, I... Uh, yeah, to wrap it up, I like a band that I associate with Torture Doom, although I have no evidence whether you know they've listened to it or not, would be a band that I... Did you show me these guys originally, Reptile Womb? No, but I've seen them around a lot. I think they're getting popular. I think they're somewhat popular right now. They have some sort of following. Yeah, so we're going to listen to... Uh, uh, a track from Reptile Womb. We'll listen to the first half of it. I think this record was released in 2015 or 2016. And as soon as I found this, I fell in love with it. And I think you'll know immediately why. Uh, so it's a song called Inhuman Hell. So let's All do right. it.
I like that. <laughs> Does he have a dead owl in his, a dead chick, a bird chick in his hand in that photo? It appears to be that he is spraying the blood from that uh, dead bird chick uh, onto his own head. Well, that's illegal. <laughs> but uh, I, I definitely get the Planet AIDS vibe from this. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I mean, the, the sort of, there's a bass, I think, but it's definitely being used more like electronic bass. Um, definitely, yeah, I think, uh, I think Reptile Womb uses a, a live bassist, but, uh, no guitar, and it's mostly electronic beats and noise and vocals. Yeah. It's, uh, wow, yeah, that's a pretty, it's a pretty intense photo. It's, um... Yeah, yeah it's like, it, it's depraved in the way uh, that suggests Torture Doom. Because that was one of the things about Torture Doom, was there were these rumors of both Worm Phlegm and Senthil, like, uh, self-mutilating or strangling each other while recording mm -hmm. vocals. Um, and I think Reptile Womb is like a guy that kind of like took that conceit seriously. I, I think the main guy from Reptile Womb is just totally fucking insane. And mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Reptile Womb is fucking amazing. And I, I, I love everything he's done. Yeah, man, I think I may be too lawful good now to uh, get down with squeezing bird chicks. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I, I have to hand it to him. I mean, that's you, you can say whatever you say about it. Can't say it's not black metal. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, I mean, I guess, that's, I guess that's my class, man. I mean, what do you think about this? Now that you've gotten like the full spectrum of what it was. Well, I gave you my, I, I gave you my, that was one of my, you know, I, I think, I think that confusion, that clarification about exactly what this is, I think was helpful. Um, as far as, uh, other stuff that sounds like this, um, today, we reviewed, what was that, the name of that Doom band we reviewed early in the show that you connected a bit to Torture Doom? Ooh, man, who was it? It was, it was a, it was, a, you liked it a lot. It was very difficult, slowly paced funeral doom. Um, it corresponded with the guy a little bit, but, um, it's, uh, God, I'm going to have to oh, look um, on our own website. Uh, Crushing the Scepter? Yes, Crushing the Scepter. Is Crushing the Scepter that. related to this? I, I could see him being related to that a little bit. I think he's more coming from the more straight like black funeral doom thing no like, I, uh, I i i get that it doesn't really have the same tortured quality and it doesn't really have noise guitars in the same way yeah that's more associated with stuff like uh nort or elysian blaze stuff like that mm -hmm. it's uh um, no i th i mean honestly there's just not a lot of guys doing this kind of thing now because you know the thing was the torture doom guys um I mean, there were even more artists that I would associate with this um, who were not doing Torture Doom, but were 
weirdo funeral doom guys who were still talking to all the guys from the scene. Like, uh, a, a good example would be a guy named, uh, oh shit, I, I, I think I know his name, but I want to double check it. Let's see. Um, yeah, E.M. Hurst from uh, Torture Wheel and Wraith of the Ropes. Uh, he was talking to a lot of those guys back in the day. Cool dude, but absolute weirdo. He talked about how, I mean, back in the day when this was coming out, he was in his 30s and he talked about how he had been behind the wheel of a car maybe twice in his life. You know, he just, he was just a, a hermetic weirdo that did very cool, weird funeral doom stuff. Um, uh, certain stuff by, uh, Jean Van Cauter, uh, who is the guy from uh, Until Death Overtakes Me, as well as 20 other projects, um, has probably done some stuff that's kind of like Torture Doom here and there, but he really just likes extremely minimal Funeral Doom, and he's been kind of iterating on the same idea for many, many years. Um Honestly, apart would, as far as stuff that's known, what would um, something like gnaw their tongues? Would that relate to this? I, I, that's not a band I've ever had any interest in, right? But they've been very popular for a long time, and it was super abrasive and kind of tortury. Yeah, I I would say that a band like gnaw their tongues was well. That's a weird case because that's a band that like you, I've never been into, but, uh, you know, that was a band that I picked up on as like a, a possible route for this music, which is not their tongues was doing stuff aesthetically, extremely similar to torture doom, but, you know, kind of like hipster metal media picked up on it way harder than they did any of the actual torture doom stuff. And it's hard to tell why, you know, because I, I've heard, God knows, I, I've heard all kinds of noisy, weird, agonized black metal. Um, but they picked up really hard on Gnaw Their Tongues or stuff like, you remember Wold? <laughs> I, I do remember Wold, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember a guy in a record store telling me I really needed to like check out Wold. I thought it was okay, but it wasn't like... At the time, it wasn't what I... I probably like Wold more now, honestly. Wold's um, not bad, or... Uh, I mean, honestly, instead of Wold, I would rather listen to something like Dead Raven Choir, which is like... Ulver's mm -hmm. Natten's Madrigal taken to its, like, perfect extreme. Yeah, you know? I remember Wold just... I remember, like, there was at least one Wold track I heard. Like, the first one I heard just sounded like black metal textured guitars being achieved with electronics and then just a bunch of horrible shrieking. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, I don't think that Torture Doom itself, there's there was a specific... Something was achieved in those few years. There was an energy there and a community there that never really came back. Um, it's one of my fondest memories in the metal scene was how excited this small handful of people were for, oh, can we do something even sicker, 
even yeah. more depraved, you know? Well, the, yeah, so that's it. It might end up being a scene that has its influence beyond itself. But I it, I get what you mean about it being this distinctive thing. Like, that is the extremity arms race quality of it. They were people very dedicated to sort of passing certain limits, right? Um, yeah. And challenging each other about that. And... It could be that the music itself from that period is always going to have a very limited appeal. Um, but the question then is, yeah, how do you pick up on and develop this stuff in interesting ways? Um, I mean, that that last, uh, you know, the um, a kind of riffy band at the end, uh, Disjecta Membre, clearly shows some sort of path into some sort of collision with stuff like uh, this down-tempo becoming industrial, which you pointed out about uh, Humanity's Last Breath. Mm -hmm. I um. think that... Well, I mean, it, insofar as how to take it and bring it forward, well, I mean, first of all, I think people just bringing back Torture Doom, bringing back brutally extreme funeral doom that is focused on assaulting the listener is something that should just happen again. There's no reason it shouldn't. You know, it was like if there was a war between torture doom and kind of romantic doom metal, mm -hmm. the latter won. You know, it, that's that's just how history has bared out because it's much more listenable to people. But if we could get a few maniacs to start doing projects in the vein of Black Bile or Senthil again. I think that would be a, a huge breath of fresh air to the funeral doom scene, which for the last few years, at least, has just been very... Oh, I'm sad, but even slower than the other sad bands, you know? <laughs> like, Would you say that the funeral doom scene has been a, a little dead? A little bit, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I'm waiting for the next... Yeah. You, you just completely uh, refused. I, I, I blew past the pun, sorry. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but in serious ways, I would say I'm probably waiting for the next skepticism record. Because every time there's a skepticism record, like a year after, things tend to be pretty cool. Because people are mm. listening to one of the best bands, and they're like, oh, we should do this. But yeah, Funeral Doom, in and of itself, operates very weirdly. Like, it operates in slow motion, like the music. Like, you know, you'll have Funeral Doom projects where it's, you know, it's five years or more between releases. And, uh... I don't know, the kind of people that are into Funeral Doom, and that's something I didn't really touch on with Torture Doom, was the people that were into this music were fucking weird. They were... See, that's why Gnaw Their Tongues got big. A lot of this stuff has to do with who journalists like. Um, yeah, yeah. And part of it's about where you fall in the culture. Part of it's about subculture and pedigree, right? If you've been to college, if you have the right ideas, this all helps, right? But also just personality. Some people are just like chill and friendly. Um, and yeah. I, by all accounts, the whole thing with gnaw their tongues was just like, oh, this guy's actually really nice. 
And that's nothing bad about him, right? It's like mm-hmm. good. He's relative. He makes crazy music and he's well adjusted. But like, I, you know, I I don't. There's no. I don't have any evidence that the guy was like glad handing or whatever, right? I don't know mm-hmm. enough to accuse him of that, right? There are bands like that. I'm not saying he was like that, but it's like if he was just the one guy making music with these kinds of textures and thematics who really got picked up, it's probably because he was a, a you know a well adjusted friendly dude. Yeah, which is which is funny because a lot of the guys in Torture Doom, honestly, all of them, you know, just from like the doommetal.com days, mm-hmm. were really cool guys. Like, you know, Conqueror Worm, whichever member of Worm Flim that was, he was totally happy to answer your questions about Worm Flim. You know, but th- but there's yeah, but also- probably on a rather different wavelength from what journalists and scene people mean when they say really good guy. Right. Yeah, like a great example would be um, there was some thread about like extreme doom collections. And then, uh, you know, people were posting like all their like collections of tapes and shirts and, you know, weird shit like that. And then Conqueror Worm, the uh, the account of whatever member of Worm Flem was like, I've got the best one of all. And he posted a picture of like tons of worm phlegm tapes and shirts and everything stacked up on his bed or something and people were like there were multiple posters like wait you you printed worm phlegm shirts you never advertised them and he was just like oh yeah yeah we did like 40 of them and we just like gave them to friends and stuff so do you have one I don't have one of those. I have a later Worm Flem print, which was, uh, I spent about 50 bucks on it, you know, shipping from France. But, uh, but that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of the whole thing is that he just posted this picture like as a joke. And then even after years of watching people talk about it, he didn't really understand that just the idea of worm phlegm shirts being printed would be so important to people, you know, that it would mean that much that people would immediately be throwing their wallets at him metaphorically to get access to that. That goes back to what you said about it originally being music just for them, right? There were, it seems like there were three dudes. They were part of this circle. They have, uh, they have other bands that are a little more outward facing, but like, you know, yeah, there's always this, it's a cliche when people say, oh, you know, we were surprised that people listened to us. Right. But in this case, that sort of like seems to be true. Yeah, um, I, I think that was true. I, I think that the the story of Torture Doom is some guys in Finland wanting to make something hilariously extreme and they did it and then accidentally everybody loved it. And they didn't know what to do with it after right, that. Right. So they, yeah. So, and they, they literally felt like they had to record the, they had no plans to record a full length. And then when people loved it, they were like, okay. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> and then, the, and then they recorded the full length and they said, yeah. the band is done. Yeah. And they receded back into the wilderness, which is, I mean, I said in the notes, could those guys get back together and do, another incredible record probably i think they're yeah, that you'd talented have to gen- 
you'd have to gin up enough interest and pressure them again. <laughs> but the thing is, like, if you did that, if you just got them to do it based off pure force of interest, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the same thing, man. Like, yeah. the beauty of this music is the intensely introspective weirdo nature of it and if you if you draw that out artificially it's it's just not the same thing and i i think that's what compelled me so much as a kid was i was literally like 14 years old hanging out on doometal.com and just i was so blown away Here's the guy from Wormflem. Here's the guy from Moss. Here's the guy from Bunker. And they're all just hanging out with all the rest of us. And what was also interesting was the guys on the forum who weren't musicians were just like, yeah, man, I really like that Wormflem demo. When are you doing another record? It wasn't, uh, it wasn't hero worship. It was very, it was DIY in a way that punk hasn't actually been in more than 20 years it was just guys that's not true yeah that's not true no i mean punk is very very it remains very diy um it just is i mean there's a there's a whole commercial tier of punk and there are hardcore bands that are successful but even the even i mean like is converge on a forum talking about converge no because there are too many forums talking about converge um Mm -hmm. But, like, no, that that spirit hasn't gone away in the punk scene. It's very, very... I mean, like, you know, the the dudes from Deviated Instinct sold me my Deviated Instinct shirt at the show, right? Nobody was doing their merch for them. Um, I mean, I, I, I get yeah. that, but what I'm saying is, like, <laughs> being in a punk band or, you know, whatever fucking, like, you know, extension from punk there is, you have by definition, access to places that these guys didn't. That's a different... Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah, I mean, what I, I thought you were getting at the sort of the horizontality, the idea that there's not a lot of hero worship, that, you know, you can be friends with the people in the band, the people in the band don't talk down to the fans and that stuff. Punk is still like that. Even, even relatively commercial bands make a point out of that. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, like the guys in, like... Yeah, the guys in Converge are a good example. Um, but like, um, but as yeah, as far as access, you're. I mean, you're certainly right. Punk has venues. Punk has labels. Punk has people in the more official culture industry who work as sort of routers for some of it, right? And yeah. siphon it into the more uh, whether the the you know mainstream alternative or whatever, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, there, there certainly is a ton of... In- yes, punk is highly networked with um, basically the cultural center in a way that... Yeah. yeah underground uh, that's metal a, isn't, and yeah. Funeral Doom especially is not. Torture Doom especially is not. Yeah, that's, a, that's the distinction I'm making because these guys were just like... I mean, it's like, you know, we talk about it, but it all comes back to worm phlegm, just like guys who accidentally got popular 
The, that's the thing. The worm phlegm demo was not supposed to be popular. It wasn't and, supposed and, to. Okay, but any something. punk band will tell you that too, right? Or like if you go back to like a, a really abrasive hardcore band or something, they'll that they'll say that. Um, you know, it's like th- that is true of a number of other kinds of music. And look, you know, I love ripping on punk. Right, so I'm just I'm just trying to do due diligence here, or try to be fair. That's fair, but um, at the same time, you can see the difference between a really angular crust core band and something that is a 30 minute song of three riffs. You know? Yeah, yeah, I I get it. You know, there's there's very little. There really isn't any less accessible music. Yeah. And I just... Um, for me, it's like... This this was kind of it for me. And I, I, I feel like I've been chasing this dragon for all these years since. Which was... I got to be there for this movement. And I got to experience it in real time. I got the energy of the new records coming out and I it was it really was its own thing and I I cannot impart that energy here on a recording you really had to be there you had to talk to all these people you had to watch them interacting with each other watching these ideas evolve in real time in front of you. And then finally, you know, a couple years after it started, you've got the Worm Flem full length. And then that's basically the end of it. You know, it's, uh, they started it, they finished it. And that was it, man. That was... That was the moment in time. 